This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. We are live on a Valentine's Day, Wednesday edition of the Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Ennings producing today's show, you out there. Now, it's Valentine's Day. I hope the gentlemen remember that. I'm sure you woke up this morning, jumped right out of bed, and wondered what nice thing you were going to do for that special, significant other. Or maybe you thought... What will Mike Gill talk about today? Probably the latter, but I hope the former. Let's get into it. So, Valentine's Day is a hallmark holiday made about love. And as the Eagles season just came to an end, I thought about what do we love the most about being a Philadelphia sports fan? So, I'm very interested to see what kind of answers we will get i feel like they will be all over the board okay we posted the question on our social media sites and already have answers that you can almost predict would happen right here's the simple question what do you love about being a philly sports fan i have my answer what's yours and i wasn't surprised to see the low-brow swings and swipes that were going to come with it. You almost expected it. Like, what do you love about being a Philly sports fan? And you get the guy who's just miserable with his life, who happens to live here, but he's not a fan of the team, so he says, nothing! The people that I associate with in my community all suck. The business owners from around here who like the Eagles, I hate them too. The, the easy answer is always, oh, the Eagles fans, they're the worst. They're so obnoxious. I said, what do you love about being a Philly sports fan? I didn't ask what the miserable guy's opinion was of another sports team's fan base. And see, you answering the way that you did shows you this is a two-way street. The very f- fact that you took the bait. And I asked, what do you love about being a Philly sports fan? And you obnoxiously said, I hate Philly sports fans. Makes you exactly part of the issue here. This is who sports fans are. And that's why it's fun. So I want to read off a bunch of the comments that we got to start the show today. And I encourage you to text in at 609 403 0973 609-403-0973. And you tell me, what do you love about being a Philly sports fan? You know, I can answer this pretty concise and quick. For me, for my money, being a Philadelphia sports fan, the thing I love about it, there's nothing better than being part of a passionate fan base. It makes being a sports fan the best. That's what sports is about. Being passionate about your team. And you can't find people more passionate. They might be unruly. They might be obnoxious. But they define what we want in a fan. 
it makes being a sports fan what it is. Trips taken. Friendships made. There's nothing more special than planning a trip and saying, we're going to this place to see the world because of the team that I follow. I'm going to London this year. I've never been to London. Why am I going? Because Philly fans are so passionate that I'm going to go hang out with people in London because it'll make me feel comfortable and at home when I'm on vacation. Now, I don't need a reason to go on vacation, but this is certainly a reason why. I'm not sure the Tampa Bay Rays are going to London and are having a big contingent of fans go follow them there. Yeah, maybe the Pittsburgh Pirates have a bunch of fans that are pretty passionate about the team. But are you getting companies creating trips and friends making a summer out of it? Absolutely not. Yes, probably Boston. Yes, probably the Yankees. But how many other sports teams are planning a summer around the team? Look, the Eagles are going to Brazil. The first thing that came to my mind was... Let me go to my friends over at phillysportstrips.com, and sure enough, they've got a trip to Brazil all ready to go. All you got to do is put your deposit down. For my money, the Philadelphia fan base is why I am who I am in terms of my life and my job. I grew up a Philly sports fan. Can you imagine if I grew up a Cincinnati fan? Maybe I'm in finance. Maybe I'm in sales. Maybe I'm cutting hair. Who knows? But the passion that this fan base had grabbed me at such a young age and molded me into a way that I had to work in covering and talking and being a part of what to me. And I have traveled plenty, and I saw some of the comments on our Facebook page. I have been to games in Pittsburgh. Somebody mentioned Pittsburgh fans would never act like this. I went to plenty of Pittsburgh game when I was in West Virginia. And let me tell you, I don't know how many Pittsburgh games you've been to, but the ones I went to, let's just say, apparently they don't like Baltimore fans too much. I'll leave it at that. I have been to Yankee Stadium for Yankees, Phillies, Let's just say it wasn't a great experience. I have been to MetLife, not great. And now listen, I'm not characterizing the New York giant fan base as this obnoxious fan base. If you sit with 80,000 people, you're going to find a section that's unruly. And now you might say there's more than one section in Philly. Let me tell you something. And I say this. Like, if I've been to a Phillies game, Flyers game, Sixers game, Eagles game, I've been to a 1,000 of them. If I've been to a 1,000, I've been to 10,000. I can honestly say, in all the games I've gone to, I can't recall, and I could say it happened, I can't recall ever seeing a fight at a game that I attended in Philadelphia. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. And I've seen some stuff in the tailgate lots. But I have never seen a fight in a game that I actually attended. Not in Philadelphia, anyway. I saw one in Pittsburgh. I've seen one in Baltimore. I saw two in the same game 
when I went to New York. I'm not characterizing those fan base. I just feel like there are unruly and obnoxious fans everywhere we go. But on a day where it's all about love, I'm asking what do you love about being a Philly sports fan? And I got this answer. Nothing. Well, you seem like a happy guy. I got another one. Nothing. Many fans are so obnoxious you can't even enjoy going to see a game. I don't know about you. I've never been to a Philly game where I've seen a fight or even as much as an uncomfortability and unruliness. I really haven't. Like, when I went to WVU, I saw people there act in an unruly matter. Nobody told me in my life that the WVU fan base is this obnoxious, unruly fan base. And maybe they are. I have no idea if that's how they're characterized. But I saw more unruly obnoxiousness at WVU games than I have in my time going to Philly sports games. I've seen, and I said, because this particular gentleman, and I say gentlemen, this is all in good fun. Um, He mentioned Pittsburgh. I said, it sounds like you probably haven't been to very many games at other arenas or stadiums. Obnoxious fans are everywhere. Oh, by the way, I did leave out. I've been to a game at the Igloo in Pittsburgh, and I actually saw a fight at that game. It was two Pittsburgh fans fighting each other. One guy had a Mario Lemieux jersey on, and the other guy had a Yager jersey on. This was quite a while ago. They were still in the Igloo, by the way. But it was great to see two guys with mullets almost emulating their heroes, Lemieux and Yager, pulling sweaters over each other's heads, Firing haymakers that just weren't hitting anything. But the gentleman responded, never had one issue in Pittsburgh. Oh, contraire, sir. Pittsburgh is one of the places that comes to mind because I went to so many games in Pittsburgh when I was at WVU. I feel like I saw something happen in Pittsburgh every single time. In fact, as I said, apparently they don't like Baltimore fans there too much. And... I saw the hockey fight at the Igloo, and this summer when I went to Phillies Pirates, let me tell you, I saw the fight at that game too. And it wasn't between the Phillies fans. The Phillies fans were actually, I it was kind of like uh, I was on the trip with Philly sports trips, and it was a very relaxed kind of, um, I would say a little older crowd as well. I mean, it was like a lot of people that were just there to kind of consume the game, and it was interesting. A great ballpark, by the way. Love PNC Park. But what do you love about being a Phillies fan? Now, some people obviously gave us the lazy, nothing, they're obnoxious, awful, all of that stuff, which just essentially goes, see, you're part of the problem. But I like Steve, who mentioned this. He said that tingling sensation, the goosebumps when something special happens and you're around 40,000 people that all feel the same way. See, I think if the Davids and the other people on our social media outlets who post it actually sat at Citizens Bank Park for the Phillies in a playoff game and just saw the energy of that place, your opinion would change drastically. You would say, there's no other place I'd rather be than where I am, in the words of Marv Levy. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? It's euphoria when you are at a Philadelphia sports event that every single person 
There's a reason why the national media grabbed on to the Phillies and their crowd. It wasn't for the wrong reasons. It was for the energy and the positivity, the love, if you will, on this Valentine's Day. Greg says, I live in Florida, so I actually miss Philly quite a bit, even if my latest memory are from the 1990s. I really want to be a big fan of every Philly team. Football is my favorite of the sports, however. Yeah, Greg, when you're in Florida, you get a clear understanding of the difference between being a fan of one of those teams and being a fan of a team that has passion and are sports fans who, you know, you say live and die with their teams. And some people would scoff and say, well, that's sad. That's pathetic. These people have lives. They just love their team and sometimes act unruly or obnoxious because of it. But that's what makes sports great is that it takes you away from the minutia of, quite frankly, what is monotony in the world we live in. Drive down a street here and drive down the street in any town USA. And sadly, you're starting to see the same restaurants everywhere. We're losing local restaurants. We're losing local businesses Sports right now are the one thing that make us feel, hey, it could be any time USA, right? I'm sitting in the stadium like I did in 1995, 2005, and 2025 next year. Terry says he loves the constant pain. It keeps me young. Terry, the letdown, right? That's the great line from Tom Petty, the waiting. It's the hardest part. We're still waiting for the Flyers to win a Stanley Cup. The Sixers, please get out of the second round. Can you do it for us one time? David chimes in. He says, no one likes us. We don't care. And that's the good part, David. You're right. We don't care. No one likes us. We're kind of misunderstood. I always look at the Eagle uh, Philly fan as probably the most misunderstood. Right? There's a show on Netflix called Atypical. And I watch that show, and I feel like that's the Philadelphia sports fan. Atypical. People characterize the Philly sports fans one way, but they're way off the mark. Rashid chimes in. He says, I love that we are passionate and smart. Not always smart, Rashid, but we always think we're smart. And that's why we're passionate. The passion is our belief that we are smart and we could coach the team and we could make the tackle if you put us on the field. Jennifer chimes in and says the highs and the low lows. It makes you feel so alive. Jennifer, I was at Citizens Bank Park for Phillies, Marlins, Bryson Stott. Hits a grand slam. The place is going nuts. We're dancing on our own. And then Arizona. And that's the Philadelphia sports fan. That is what we love. Keith chimes in. He says, Mike, I love the heartaches. Somebody else chimes in and says, Mike, I love being on the roller coaster of emotion. The Red Hot Chili Peppers said the roller coaster of love. We're talking about what do we love about being a Philly sports fan. And you're right. The roller coaster of emotion. Oh, man. It takes you on a wild, wild run. And I see a message here that says Philly sports fans are irrelevant because your teams never win. Eh. Incorrect. The Philadelphia sports fans, the Philadelphia sports teams 
all you need to do is the day after a football game or a big game, you go to the national conversation. They're talking about the Cowboys and they're talking about the Lakers and they're talking about the Eagles and they're talking about the Sixers. The Philly sports fans are not irrelevant. The relevancy is the heartbreak, the heartache. And that's why the national shows talk about Philadelphia all the time because they understand the passion. That take gets worst take of the day. 609-403-0973. Mike, local fandom is primarily for high school and college. Pro sports are so worldwide and so popular that there's not too many pro teams that have 100% local fan base. New Jersey split, Philadelphia split, and there's even NFL fans now overseas. Um, yeah, I understand what you're saying to some extent, but I always say the one thing that bothers me, that bothers me. I, look, anybody's free to cheer for whoever they want, but I do kind of look at that person with a little side eye. Sports, high school, college, and pro. Look, I lived in Morgantown, West Virginia, which is a college town. Pittsburgh is about an hour away, right? The Steelers, the Penguins, the Pirates, they're about the same as where We are here to Philadelphia. So it's about an hour away. But it is clear that it is a college sports town. All right? But the sports element of where you live, it's about civic pride. It brings communities together. It's the guy at Wawa that has the Sixers hat on when the Sixers are in the playoffs. And he never wears the Sixers hat all season long. But for those two weeks, he's got that hat on every day. And when the Phillies are in red October, you don't see the guy wear his Phillies hoodie. But all of a sudden, when he's walking the dog every morning, he's got that Phillies hoodie on. That's what makes sports special. And when you have that guy who's not participating, kind of lessens it, right? It kind of lessens the civic pride aspect of what we're talking about. Jeff at Ocean City says, Mike, I love the passion of the Philly sports fan. How many players talk about how great our fans are? Mike Schmidt thanked the fans in his Hall of Fame speech for demanding the best out of him every game. Jeff, that's the part of it that's the best, is the relationship the players here have with their star players and the relationship they have with the lesser players. The star players are envious of the secondary players because why do they like you and not me? You don't see that. You don't see that. On this Valentine's Day, what do you love about being a Philly sports fan? It's that. It's the irrational craziness. It's the passionate that every game I've come up with a Tuesday in February because people just can't get enough of it. You can't argue. I've never seen it. And I haven't lived in New York, and I haven't lived in... Well, does anybody live in Dallas, or do you guys all live here? I haven't lived in another sports fan base area that I've ever seen anything like it. I've been in Pittsburgh. I lived in West Virginia. They love the Steelers. It's not the same. I love going to Baltimore. I listen to Baltimore Sports Talk Radio when I'm down there. They love the Ravens. Not like this. The only place is probably Boston and probably New York. And if you told me, hey, Philadelphia sports fandom is the best, and you said, Mike, you're wrong, it's New York or Boston, I wouldn't fight you on it. But I'll tell you what, 
if Boston and New York couldn't at least admit that Philadelphia is on the same level, I think you'd be misguided. I think you'd be misguided. So text me right now, 609-403-0973, and we'll continue to read them off throughout the day. You can post on our social media platforms. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. What do you love about being a Philadelphia sports fan? I think it's unique. I think it's special. I think it's civic pride. I think it's trips taken. It's friendships. And more importantly, it's a whole heck of a lot of fun, isn't it? You and me together hanging out till 6. Hey, it's Mike Gill in the Sports Bash. And when we come back, I'll ask Mike McGarry, what's his favorite sports base, sports fan base? And Daryl Morey, did he really call and ask about LeBron James? That's next. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. It's the Sports Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 228 Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike McGarry for the Press of Atlantic Cities here. We've got so much going on today. Uh, this Maury story with the LeBron James and the Kevin Durant. We'll get into that a little bit as well. By the way, Phillies pitchers and catchers report today. Rob Thompson spoke earlier. We'll start with some of the things that Rob Thompson had to say, Mike. And I think essentially his messaging is, look, we're going to run it back. Why is that a good thing? Well, the taste they have in their mouth. They, they, they got knocked out twice. Is that a good enough reason for you that Dave Dombrowski essentially did nothing? And I say nothing to help this team. In fact, you could make an argument. I mean, they lost Kimbrell, and I know fans aren't mad about that, but he did save a bunch of games last year. He did have a all-star first half of the season, so you got to replace what he gave you just to help get you to the playoffs. Is this team better today than the team that left the field in Arizona? Is that answer good enough that the hunger of losing is why it's advantageous that they stood pat? Well, I, I think Rob Thompson has got to say that because he's got to manage the team he has on the field. But I would be very surprised if the Phillies don't make a move or two uh, before the actual opening day. I would be surprised if there's not one or two additions to this roster. I'm thinking an outfielder specifically. I'm thinking possibly starting pitching, another starting pitcher. I would be surprised if the 25 guys that the Phillies are going to you know, are going to run out of the dugout and to the first baseline for introductions on March 28th against the Atlanta Braves. Are exactly all 25 are in camp right now. Biggest story that needs to be answered between now and opening day for you, Mike. For me, it's it's the outfield, basically. I mean, is Johan Rojas going to hit enough to be the center fielder. Now, I know Johan Rojas is hitting ninth, and in a lineup where you have Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwaber, Nick Castellanos, JT Realmuto, does Johan Rojas have to hit 300? No. Does he have to hit 250, 230? Yes. Can he hit 045, 4 for 43, which he was in the postseason last year? That's unacceptable. So if Johan Rojas does not get off to a fast start in spring training, I look for the Phillies to add a quality outfielder, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger is still out there. I look for them to add an outfielder 
because you also don't know exactly what is up with Brandon Marsh. He had the knee surgery last week. They say he will be back for opening day. But, you know, injuries, you never know. So, to me, that's the biggest story right now is that outfield, center field, left field spot. If they had one of the free agents that are out there, Blake Snell, Montgomery, Bellinger, and they said, we're getting one of them, which one would you say is the most uh, most of the ne- of a necessity? I'd go get uh, Bellinger. I, I think he adds uh, to a lineup. I think he plays you know, a consistent center field. I think that allows you to put Rojas as a fourth outfielder where I think if he gets – I think Rojas at this stage of his development, if he's the type of player, if he gets 500 at-bats a year, that's not so great. If he gets 300 at-bats a year, you're like, everybody's going to love Johan Rojas, right? I think he has the danger of being overexposed. So I say go get – Cody Bellinger and put him in center field. I'm not a big Blake Snell guy. I don't like a guy who goes out there and throws five innings. I don't think that's going to help you. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not Jordan Montgomery, you know, semi good postseason with Texas. I think he was good in the ALCS. He wasn't great in the World Series, 10 and 11 overall. Eh, you know, but I would think right now solving that outfield problem. Uh, it helps you both offensively and defensively if you add a Cody Bellinger. All right, Mike McGarry for the Press of Atlantic City. couple Phillies questions up on the first day of spring training. Uh, if I was to say to you it's October 1st right now, which Philly has the most saves? Boy, good question, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, I think it's a guy who's not on the roster. What I think they're going to do is ooh, ooh, I think they're going to go – through the beginning of the season, and they're going to go bullpen by committee, which Rob Thompson has done in the past with Alvarado, Kirkring, Dominguez, Gregory Soto, uh, you know, that sort of group right there. But I think around the trading deadline, they're going to go and get a quality closer, a top-notch closer for the second half of the season. If you had a, if I had to say a guy who's on the current roster who finishes with the most saves, I think it's Alvarado. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Kirkering on that, by the way. I, I, I keep hearing, you know, a lot of them talking about they like Kirkering, they like Kirkering. I think him being there for spring training the full time, I think when push comes to shove, would I be crazy to say it's Kirkering? Yeah, I just don't trust a guy that young, Mike. I mean, how many games has he actually pitched in, in the big leagues? I mean, and he faulted a little bit in, that, uh, in the NLCS. You know, I think he's more suited at this stage in his career for a seventh or an eighth inning guy. And I think Alvarado has been a guy who, when he stays healthy, I think he can be as good as anybody out of that bullpen. So I think Kirkland's got some tremendous stuff. But, boy, I mean, I did think it might be asking a little too much of a guy that young and with his experience level. I mean, he began this time last year. He was in single A. That is true. I know he's making a big jump here, but uh, I feel like just, uh, you know, there's just a hunch in me that feels like his stuff, that that's the guy. That uh, Okay, I, I should say that's the guy I think they want to get the most saves. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that is. I think eventually I think they kind of foresee him as the closer of the future, and maybe that's the reason why they didn't go get a Josh Hader or they didn't make the trade for Kenley Jansen or the Cleveland closer because they think that Kirkring can develop into that position. So, you know, hey, we'll see where he is in July, and that might influence what they do at the trade deadline. But I still think they're going to go out and get an established closer at the trade deadline. Mike McGarry, Press of Atlantic City. Now, this time last year, I remember talking about the playoffs in the National League and saying, I don't see where there's a team 
that's going to be different. I felt like, how are the Mets not going to make it? They had Verlander and they had Scherzer. And how are the Padres not going to make it? And the Cardinals ended up not making it. Um, last year, four teams made the playoffs that did not make it the previous year. Do you think that the NL is that wide open again? In other words, is it a fait accompli to you that the Phillies are a playoff team? Because it felt last year that the playoffs were going to be the same and four new teams made it. Yeah, you know, I I know what you're saying there. I think everybody right now would put the Dodgers and the Braves probably in the playoffs. I think the Dodgers would be the overwhelming choice to win the West. Uh, The Braves, you know, either win the East or be a wild card. I think, you know, most people would slot Arizona considering what they did last year and the additions that they did uh, that they had last year in the playoffs. So that's, you know, that's three of six. You got to come up with three more. You have the central winner, that's four. And now you're looking out of those out of what's left in the National League, you're looking for two teams, and I think the Phillies, you know, got to be right there with uh, with anybody else. So yes, I would expect the Phillies well, you got what? to you got, make the playoffs. You got Arizona. Do you think it's a fait accompli that they're back? Yeah, I think Arizona's in. The Dodgers are in. The Braves are in, and you got the Central Division winner in. Right, that's four right there. Yep. Now you got to come up with two more teams. I think the Phillies are one of those two. All right, so uh, one could possibly the Padres. I know they let they got gave some off appealed no Snell. Soto gone, so they might take a step back. Uh, the Mets, in your mind, uh, taking a step back or forward? I, you know, the Mets to me are kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what to expect from the Mets <laughs> this year. Last year, everybody expected them; they were coming off a hundred wins. Everybody assumed they were in the playoffs. This year, everybody's kind of giving them up for dead. And I kind of think they're going to have a pretty good season. I think it depends on the pitchers that they brought in. They brought in a lot of veteran pitchers. Uh, you know, uh, a, guy, a lot of guys with some injury history in the past, like Severino from the Yankees, Sean Manaya, who's pitched for Oakland and, and San Francisco. They'll have Diaz from the start of the season. I, I still think the World Baseball Classic ruined the season last year when he, uh, you know, tore his patella tendon and, and, and never pitched again. So I think if some of the veteran pitchers that they brought in stay healthy, now that's a big if. Uh, you know, I think they can be a, a playoff team. They'll also need some of their young players to mature Batty at, at third base. And a big question with the Mets is Pete Alonso. I mean, he's kind of entering into his walk year. Does he put together one of those big, you know, vintage contract years and earn himself a big free agent contract in the offseason? Because it doesn't look like the Mets are going to sign him before the season starts. Funny you mentioned uh, Diaz. I saw that he was back. I totally forgot about him. And now that the fact that he is back, we're talking about Phillies closer the Mets seem to have theirs by the way Josh Hader got named the closer in Houston Presley is going to be the setup man that is a bullpen right there with those two guys if they're at the top of their game baseball's back it starts today and of course we'll be all over that here on the sports bash we've also uh got the Sixers they're playing the heat tonight it's their last game before the All-Star break. Now, we saw this team play Buddy Heald the other night scoring. They're going to get Lowry after the All-Star break. I know Joel Embiid is not going to be here, but if Joel Embiid is back with Heald and Lowry and everything we've seen, uh, does this feel like a team that could be sneaky in the playoffs? Yeah, if Joel Embiid is healthy, yes. Uh, I think they can be as good as they were before Joel Embiid got hurt. 
you know, I, I think that I'm not one who's going to buy into this, you know, Buddy Yield is all of a sudden people are talking about him like he's Jerry West or something, for God's <laughs> sakes. I mean, you know, there's a reason why Sacramento gave up on him. There's a reason why the Indiana Pacers, who are chasing the Philadelphia 76ers, said, here, take Buddy Yield, you know, uh, please. Kyle Lowry. No, I mean, it's I, so I, weird. I can't put my finger on, like, what is the deal with this guy? I mean, he's, there's a reason he's only scoring about 12 and a half a game, but he's still a good shooter. He puts the ball on the floor. You're thinking, how do these teams not find a way? Now, again, we might find that out soon. I mean, like Kelly Oubre, when they first got exactly. him, he was shooting exactly. the lights out. Now he's going back. But still, he's still a good shooter, worst case scenario. It is puzzling. I agree with you there. Yeah, I, you took the word, took the name right out of my mouth, and Kelly Oubre. Remember what people felt about Kelly Oubre when the season started? Everybody was like, oh, my God, look at this guy. He's playing so well. How do these other teams give up on him? Well, you know, it's almost like we're reliving that experience with Buddy Heald right now, and I think you have the same situation with Kyle Lowry. Uh, you know, Miami, a team that's chasing you, a, a team that is there a smarter NBA organization than the Miami Heat? They decided that Kyle Lowry couldn't play. So to expect him to come here and sort of resurrect his game, you know, I, I don't know about that. You know, but having said that, I do think that the Sixers with Joel Embiid healthy, with Maxi, with Harris, with these extra guys that they've added, yeah, do I think they can be as good as they were before Joel Embiid got hurt? Absolutely. I'm just not buying into this fact that, you know, without Embiid, that all of a sudden Buddy Yield and Kyle Lowry are going to lead the 76ers to the promised land, or that Buddy Yield is, is a guy that you're going to build around in the future. All right, uh, Mike McGarry, I'll ask you on Valentine's Day. He's the guy yeah. that Philly fans probably love the most, Jason Kelsey. Give me your thoughts on whether you think Kelsey is back or is he retired? You know, Mike, anybody that's followed me on Twitter or has talked to me, I'm, I'm sick of the Kelsey brothers. I'm sick of Jason Kelsey. I have no problem with Taylor Swift. Jason Kelsey is everywhere I go. I go to a Sixers game, he's ringing the bell. I go to a Phillies game, he's on the big screen uh, uh, drinking a beer in a luxury suite. I go to Seattle City, he's tending bar. I turn on Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs, he's jumping out of the booth without his shirt on. I mean, the guy is overexposed. Enough of Jason Kelsey. Just either snap the ball or don't. I don't care what you do. Just do it. I, you want to know what I honestly think? I think he's going to retire, and then I think he's going to come back by game eight or nine. Wow. The Eagles are going to have problems on injuries on the offensive line, and he's, got, and he's going to be back. But I'll say this. I've had enough of Jason Kelsey. Uh, forget about Travis Kelsey bumping into uh, to Andy Reid. I've had enough of Jason Kelsey. He should go into hibernation. I don't want to see him again until September, no matter what he does. Uh, Mike McGarry, everybody. Press of Atlantic City, com, and, of course, right here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Mike, way to end it, pal. All right. Good good outing today. We'll see you later. Cheers. Talk to you down the road. He gave us seven quality innings with that uh, spot there. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. 609-403-0973. What do you love about being a Philly sports fan on this Valentine's Day? My text board's lighting up, and I'm going to read off a lot of the comments. What do you love about being a Philly sports fan? More of your comments coming up next. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 248 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. Got to tell you about my friend Rocco over at Key Acura of Atlantic City. Now through February 29th, you 
can get into a 2024 Acura Integra lease for just $369 a month or a 2024 MDX lease for $489 a month. Beginning March 2nd, the service department will be open on Saturdays again. So stop in and see Rocco at Key Acura of Atlantic City. It's right there on Chilton Road in EHT, the small but friendly dealer. Online at Key Acura Atlantic City. Dot com. Mike Gill in the Sports Badge. All right, a lot of text messages. Valentine's Day. What do you love about being a Philly sports fan? I don't need to hear you smirky. I hate Philly sports fans. That's your problem. That's your problem. I don't hate you. I have nothing against you. I think you're a little odd. But that's okay. I can accept you. I'm a very accepting person. You don't want to be a Philly sports fan? You want to live around here and not be a Philly sports fan? All right, that's on you. I think that's uh, a little little weird. But they each their own. 609-403-0973. Mike, uh, I love how they taught me to cope with disappointment after I get my hopes up. But I'll add, they always draw me back in for more. Tom from the Villas. You know, that's the thing. It's, you know, you've been disappointed so many times. But the camaraderie that comes with all of it, the winning, the disappointing of the big loss. You know, because look, while Philadelphia has not won its fair share of championships, it has been on the precipice so often. The heartbreak is just unmatched in sports. You know, the always the bridesmaid, never the bride. We've been to a lot of weddings, man ton of weddings. I feel like I'm in my 30s constantly. All my friends were getting married. Like There was a week or a six-week stretch in my 30s where I was at a wedding four out of six weeks. I'm now poor because of it, but it was fun, right? You hate, you're like, oh, I got to go to a wedding this week. But the weddings are fun. The Phillies, the Eagles, the Sixers, and the Flyers, not so much the Flyers, by the way, Maybe not the Sixers either. But the Phillies have given us our fair share of being the bridesmaid. The Eagles always seem to be at the wedding. And only once have the Eagles actually been the bride. And everybody gets divorced. But they always keep coming back. It's like, hey, I was married once. Not me personally. But the Eagles winning that Super Bowl is the equivalent of being married for the year. And then they start again, and it's back to being the bridesmaid. That is the epitome of the best part about being. Uh, Dan in the HC says, I love the overreaction of the day-to-day of Philadelphia sports. Dan, amen, man. I would probably be unemployed if not for the overreaction of Philadelphia sports fans. Right? I don't have a job without the overreaction of the Philadelphia sports fan. Mike and Marmora says, Mike, I love being a sports fan because of the unity it provides to the community. That's what it's about, Mike. That, to me, is what gets lost in when random guy says, hi, I am... I don't even want to stay Steelers fan because I'm going to get the guy that says, I was a Steelers fan because in 1972, they were on TV with Terry Bradshaw, and I've loved them ever since. All right, well, what about the guy who's in his 30s? Everybody was on the TV then. It wasn't just the Steelers. It wasn't just the Cowboys. Those people are now old, right? If you're the guy who says, I'm a Cowboys fan because they had the star on their helmet in 1970, okay, you're old now, all right? You're out of my demo. You're not helping me earn my bonus. I'm sorry. 
I'm talking about the younger generation. What's your excuse? Because everybody's on TV every single week now. You can get the Sunday ticket. It's the camaraderie in the community that is better than anything. When you walk into any place in the area and you know, for instance, you all know about the time the Phillies were in the World Series and I was in Cape May to watch Game 6. And I was told to go to the Seaview to watch the game. I'd never been to the Seaview before in my life. And I walked in and I had to walk right back out. Not because there were jerks there, because it was so packed with red I couldn't get a seat. That's the camaraderie I'm looking for. Now, because of it, it forced me to go to another place that ended up playing, having a band play in the sixth inning of the World Series game, in which I will never go back to. But the Seaview experience, even though I walked in and then had to turn around and walked out, you know the best part of that? You're laughing over there. You know the best part of this? What's that? So we were staying at the hotel down in Cape May. And they have a free shuttle. Okay. And the guy in the free shuttle. Okay, so the game's at like 8.30. Right. We're in the shuttle at like 6. Smart. Say the guy in the shuttle. We're going to the Seaview. Guy looked at me and said, are you sure? I said, yeah, we're going to watch the Phillies game. He said, yeah, I know. Are you sure that's where you want to go? I said, that's where I was told to go. All right, I'll take you there. He goes, I'm just going to warn you. I'm going to wait outside. I said, it's 6 o'clock, man. The game doesn't start till like 8.30, 8 o'clock or 8.15. He says, I'll wait out here. Me and my cousin, we walk inside. We walk right back out the door. That guy knew we weren't going to deceive you to watch that game. Not at 6 o'clock. Not at 6 o'clock. See, now my follow-up question to that is, did he give you a recommendation of where to go next? Or did he leave you to your demise again? And that's why you end up where you That's are. a good question. So I had been in contact with one of my Kate May people, Colin Thompson, who gave me other areas to go to, uh-huh. to which we did go to some of those. The problem was they were getting packed. They were getting people. Like one of the best things about the Philly sports fan is when there's the big game, they want to be in the seats. Right. They want the sound on. They want the seats on. They want to get there early. Right. So the two places that he gave me as recommendations, we did go to, but same problem. Mm. No seats. We had a, like, there was like four of us. So this guy driving the shuttle now is getting tired of driving. No, he dropped us off. We told him, drop us off here. If we can't find something here, we'll just walk around. Because okay. we were by, at that point, we're now back towards like the Washington Street gotcha, area. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. So it was like, look, we'll, we'll drop us off in the corner. We'll go in this spot. We walked inside. It was a little too crowded. And then we ended up going so to the So the next place. time you go to Cape May, you get that shuttle guy again. I want you to ask him, where do you think I should go? See, I don't know if it was him trying to be smart that he knew where to go and we were going to the wrong spot. I think he just knew that place there is going to be full. That's it. I'm just curious about the show guy's intuition. I want to know how far it goes. Uh, Mike, I'm not a Philly sports fan, but I do love the determination of Philly sports. Yes, uh, thank you for the text message. Uh, I love how Philly sports drive me to drink consistently. That's why we have Happy Hour Friday on this show, my friend. And you can be a part of it. That's a couple days from now. Uh, when we come back, Bob Wankel, Phillies pitchers and catchers, is next. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Hey, 
right, 302 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. It is Valentine's Day. I don't know if this song has been retired or not, but baseball's back. It's my first time hearing this song since October. It might be the last. And I know Bob Wankel is very happy to hear this track because it could be the last time it's ever played. I know Rob Thompson uh, was asked about whether the track... No, Dave Dombrowski was asked whether the track should be retired, and he said he's not in charge of that stuff. But happy Valentine's Day to all the gentlemen out there and the ladies out there. One of the listeners put together a great little meme for me out there. I know the guys woke up this morning and said, ah, it's Valentine's Day. What's Mike Gill going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the Phillies with Bob Wankel on Pitchers and Catchers Day. Is that song officially retired? Oh, uh, I think it's got to be, man. Like, I was a proponent of running it back last year. That's enough, though. I mean, you uh, you lose the two at home to the Diamondbacks, and uh, it's time to put that bad boy to bed. Uh, Crossing Broad is where you can find Bob's Phillies coverage. Uh, now, are you bringing back Red October Philly for the whole year or what? What's happening there? Yeah, I will, actually. So uh, the plan is to kind of uh, do that three days a week, maybe like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday set up, and uh, we'll probably start that up at the end of the month All once right, uh, uh, things start rolling a little bit here. All right, well, you just mentioned run it back. Rob Thompson today was asked, you know, kind of like they didn't do anything. They're running it back, and his answer was kind of, uh, you know, he justified it essentially by saying, Look, we're motivated. We've had two years of tasting it. They want it. They want to take a big chunk out of it and swallow it. Is that a good enough reason to run it back? It's that the group that you have has lost twice now. So the third time they will be more determined. Yeah, I think it's really the question of the offseason, man. I mean, like, listen, uh, you, you can make an argument that the way things had ended, it, it doesn't get much more bitter than that, but they also probably should have won the National League last year. And the year prior to that, they did win the National League, and they were two games away from winning a championship. So this team standing pat, it's it's not absolutely ridiculous. I mean, nobody in the National League has played more playoff baseball the last two years than this team. Um, they're really good. I mean, if you look at it, you look at the odds right now, they have the, the seventh highest win total, uh, in, in most sports books. They have the third best odds to win it in the National League behind only the Braves and Dodgers. But, you know, are they good enough to really truly compete for a division? Uh, and are they good enough to take that last step this year? Uh, I think you could make an argument that they're not. So, it really is a matter of perspective when you come into this season the way that you look at it and their lack of activity. Yeah, they brought Nola in early, and that was it. Are you surprised that that was it, or is there something else they wanted to do and just couldn't get it done? Yeah, I think that they absolutely want to add to the bullpen mix, and I think that they want to add to their outfield depth. And, you know, right now they have some options. They they don't have a starting spot to offer. Um, and I think for that reason, you know, some of these better free agents have probably said no thank you. Um, you know, obviously the injury situation to uh, Brandon Marsh creates a little bit of uncertainty, but the thought still is that he will be back. They want Johan Rojas to be this team's everyday center fielder. And so when you look at that current mix, it's kind of hard to lure a player of, I'll say, significant consequence into this mix as the the spring evolves and you know maybe jobs don't become open the way that some free agents are expecting them to maybe they're able to revisit 
uh, you know, and, and we'll see if they end up adding to the bullpen or if they add to the outfield mix. But by and large, like there's a very good possibility that every single player on the Phillies opening day roster played for this team a year ago, uh, which is which is pretty crazy. They got to the playoffs last year. You know, they got off to a slow start, and then they ended up with 90 wins. But in I don't want to say in large part, Craig Kimbrell was an all-star. He ended a lot of games for this team. If I said today's October 1st, Bob Wankel, who leads this team in saves? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Um, certainly there's going to be uh, some committee aspect or some committee element to it. I would say that the, the safe bet at the moment is probably just based on their current mix, Jose Alvarado. Um, does a guy like Kirkering take a step? Like, what, what's really interesting is, like, Kirkering arrived early last year, and I know that he had some struggles. Like, he showed the flashes, but he also had some pretty significant struggles in big spots. So I think some fans might be coming into this year not looking at him like a a big addition or somebody that can really make a meaningful impact for this team because he he did have some issues in the NLCS, but I think that's a little bit unfair. Um, is he somebody that ends up in that mix? Possibly, but I guess to answer your question succinctly, it's it's probably Jose Alvarado at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested in to see how that shakes out. I'm in the camp that I think Kirkering's the guy they want to be that guy. Would you say that's who they're hoping is the guy? I think that that's fair to say. Um, I think that the way that everything looks year over year, it feels like it's a it feels like it's a Kimbrel for Kirkering swap more or less. Uh, but that's definitely something that that has to get hammered out. I mean, we all know that he has the tools, he has the upside, he has the plus pitches, uh, swing and miss stuff. But you know, you've also got to go out and do it, and he was not particularly consistent in doing so last year. So we'll see what this spring brings. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. I think that is obviously one thing that needs to be answered. I'm not sure, Bob, you know, obviously you've been around this team for the last couple of years. What is from now until opening day, March 28th against the Braves, something in your mind that needs an answer? Probably can Johan Rojas hit enough to really play the bulk of center field for this team. Um, I think that that's probably the most burning question at the moment. You know, guys get hurt. That um, doesn't look like there are a ton of jobs available right now. Maybe that changes. Maybe we have a question seven days from now. Uh, Philly certainly hope not. But I think that, that Johan Rojas is the is the key question. I mean, he was four for 43 last postseason. Just gave them absolutely nothing offensively. Um, and he struck out 15 times in those 43 at-bats. I mean, he was dreadful uh, last October, and I think he was a big part of the, the reason why. And, you know, listen, you have these premium hitters. Those are the guys that have to do it in big spots, and many of them didn't. But, you know, you were, you were basically making auto outs at the bottom of the order uh, late in the playoffs, and I think that they need to see a little bit more from him, and and we'll see. Yeah, I mean, in your mind, especially with the Marsh situation, is, is there anybody to even push him? I mean, you said, like, he's the answer. It feels like he is at spring training, and everybody's down there like, woohoo, I have a job, and you're the only one here that has to, like, give us any sort of – that's a weird position to be in when the other eight guys around him pretty much know they're locked in. Yeah, I think that this is really the one place where the Phillies could still add from the outside, especially if the early returns aren't aren't super promising. But, you know, Christian Pache is a guy that also is a is a plus defender. He he did a nice job in 
real small spurts for the Phillies last year. Uh, he's probably still in the mix. But, I mean, you are potentially looking at a situation where your outfield consists of Nick Castellanos, Jake Cave, Brandon Marsh, Christian Pache, and Johan Rojas come opening day. I mean, the, the lack of, you know, we talk about, oh, the Phillies didn't really do anything this offseason. And then you, you really look at it. Like, go look at their 40-man roster. I mean, they really didn't do much this offseason. It, it is the same team. So what they're hoping is that a full year of Bryce Harper off the uh, surgery – he gives you more. You hope that Trey Turner looks more like the player he was for the, for the final 60 days of the regular season and, and parts of the postseason and less like the guy that you saw for the first four and a half months. You know, there's there's a lot to feel good about with this team, but if you're looking for that injection of, of fresh energy, it's it's not really there right now coming in. Bob Wankel crossing broad. Uh, Phillies, pitchers and catchers, questions that need to be looked at. Pache, Marsh, is that a platoon? Is Marsh every day? I mean, if, if, if Rojas is playing center, is Marsh playing left and Pache gets to hit against the lefties? Like, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the hope uh, for the Phillies is that Brandon Marsh shows enough consistency to be able to play uh, the bulk of games. Um, I do think that there could be a little, bl- a little bit of a platoon situation in there. I mean, the fact of the matter is Brandon Marsh got off to a really good start last year against left-handed pitching, and then he tailed off big time as the season progressed. So still think there's a lot of questions about, you know, what exactly is Brandon Marsh? Can he be an everyday guy, and can he give you quality enough looks against better left-handed pitching, or are you going to have to use Christian Pache more in that platoon type of role? Um, and you're not going to get an opportunity to really answer that this spring, you know, because you see that, that Brandon Marsh is going to be delayed. I think that they're very optimistic that he'll be ready to go for opening day, but how much work and how many bats is he going to get this spring? So the fact that, that he's a little bit behind schedule in and of itself to me would probably say that there's some opportunity, whether it be Christian Pache or somebody else to maybe get some at bats against left-handed pitching in the early going. All right. Um, you, we just discussed the team's the same. But is there any differences in your mind in the lineup? Uh, I guess I guess the Schwarber thing we're going to find out at some point. But do you think they look at this team and say we got the same team, but we got to shake up the lineup a little bit, or do we run it back completely with the roster and the lineup? Yeah, I mean we're going to see. I, I I suspect that Rob Thompson does not want to hit Kyle Schwarber leadoff. Uh, you know, I mean. I think that that they returned to that last year because of a sense of familiarity. You know, they had won games with him in the leadoff spot. I, and I know that they love getting him out there in the first inning, setting the tone and, and the ability to go deep and kind of change the game early on. But I, I think privately they would like to get away from that. Um, that is going to be one of the questions that they're going to have to figure out. And I guess that'll be one of the things that we can kind of monitor here. Uh, there's a long way to go. I, I think will will Kyle Schwarber hit leadoff at some point for this team in 2024? I wouldn't bet against it, but I do think that they want to get away from it. Yeah, uh, which would be interesting because all right, now you got Bohm. What happens with him? He was hitting in the middle of the lineup that got somewhat yeah. t- torn apart in the playoffs. So do they want to start the season with Bohm in the middle, back towards the back? Castellanos was in the four, then he was dropped to the end. Uh, that whole game is going to be very interesting to see too. Who do they want to start off in that spot? I guess that would be the answer of who they hope would end there, but who do they want to start there? Bohm, Castellanos. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to find out. I, you know, w- one of the things, and I don't know where you're at on this or what you've talked about, you know, leading up to the start of uh, pitchers and catchers here in spring training, but, you know, everyone comes back with the assumption that, hey, guys are going to take a step forward. You're going to get better production from player A, player B. And I think when it comes to a guy like Bryce Harper – giving you more solid production throughout the duration of the season, more consistent production. You know, he got hot, but it took a little bit of time for him to get going from a power perspective. I think you can reasonably count on what you saw at the end of the year being played out over 162. I think you're going to get a better Trey Turner. But those two players you just mentioned, I don't know for sure that you're going to see Alec Bohm take another step forward this year. And I certainly don't know if you're going to see Nick Castellanos take another step forward this year. You know, I think that there's a reasonable baseline expectation. Like for Castellanos, is he going to give you 25 home runs? Is he going to probably hit for 60 extra base hits? Like, yeah, I think that you can kind of count on him for that. But there is a lot of volatility in that game. You know, there really is. And and can Bohm take another step forward? I, I don't know the answer to that. And I think that that's, that's going to go a long way in determining exactly how good this lineup is. Bob Wankel, uh, crossing broad. Let me get, uh, if they could get Bellinger, he's another left-handed bat, but is that a no-brainer? Yeah. I mean, it's like, if you can get Bellinger for what? You know, is it a two-year deal, uh, with a high AAV? Is it a five-year deal? Like, I don't think the Phillies would do an extended deal with Cody Bellinger, but if he falls into their lap with a two-year deal, maybe that's a conversation that you have. You don't love the fact that he's a lefty, but, you know, good players are good players. I think it's similar in a lot of ways to Jordan Montgomery. Like, you look at the Phillies' rotation right now, and it's a pretty good five-man rotation in terms of, you know, people don't like to talk about wins above replacement, but you go by that metric, and they had the most wins above replacement as a collective unity year ago. And, you know, Taiwan Walker is not somebody that necessarily excites me come October, but as a back end of the rotation guy, him and Christopher Sanchez can eat up a lot of innings for you. And then you have the upside in the front of the rotation. But if Jordan Montgomery becomes available for one or two years, yeah, I think that that's something the Phillies would explore. So to answer your question, I think it really is economics. All right, Bob, you, you mentioned Walker and Sanchez and Montgomery, and then there's Snell. If they got one of those guys, Snell or Montgomery, who would be the odd man out of the rotation? Yeah, it's a good question. I would imagine it's Christopher Sanchez. Um, I think that there's probably a little bit more flexibility in how you can utilize him. Plus, you're going to, you know, kind of swap lefty for lefty at that point. I don't think that the Phillies feel like Taiwan Walker uh, is necessarily somebody that you can utilize out of the bullpen. He was so bad a year ago in his first inning. Like, if you go back and look at his splits inning by inning, Taiwan Walker was absolutely atrocious in the first inning last year. So how does that translate into using him as a reliever? And he's going to be on the roster. So I think that Sanchez probably is a little bit more flexible. So I'd imagine, at least at the start of the season, he would be the first guy that would kind of take the hit there. Not, but not because they – because that's the interesting part. Last year they told us they liked Sanchez, not in words, in actions, that they had more confidence in Sanchez than they did Walker. Yeah, but I mean, in the way that you construct a playoff roster when there's urgency and you have to win and, and, you know, you make those decisions differently than you do spread out over 162 games. And, you know, it's interesting. Like, I'm not huge on Taiwan Walker. I think that if, if the Phillies could undo that deal, they, they probably would and should. But I mean, it's, 
you know, you go back and look at Taiwan Walker's numbers last year. He did make a valuable contribution to this team. You know, he he didn't come October, but he ate a lot of innings for them. He did win games. I know that, you know, we can talk about wins and, and the validity of that stat. But, I mean, he kept the Phillies in a lot of games, and he did kind of gut his way through a lot of those performances. And I think that the Phillies, given his veteran status, given what they owe him financially, I think that he would have the first crack to kind of hold that spot in the rotation down. All right, as everybody sits and waits and free agents still out there, I mean, um, uh, uh, Rob Thompson did mention a couple times today that there are still some free agents out there. If any of these guys lowered their price to the one that the Phillies feel comfortable, Snell, Montgomery, Bellinger, others, Mer- Mary Fields, some of these, is there one that you would say, if they could get one, that's the one they should get? Yeah, if they could get one, I, I mean, if, if you had one year to go say, like, how can we maximize this thing right now? I would tell you it's probably Blake Snell in terms of just the difference maker guy you put at the front of the rotation, a guy that you would pencil in to start postseason games. Um, I think out of the, the remaining free agents, like meaningful free agents, the, the name free agents, I think Montgomery probably is the most likely at this point, um, just because maybe that market doesn't materialize for him the way that he wants. Maybe that three, four-year deal doesn't exist. If it doesn't, maybe the Phillies do get involved at that point. I'm at the point, though, Mike, where for me, I know that the Phillies are pretty good. I think the Phillies are going to make the playoffs. My question is, can they really compete with the Braves? Are we going to do this thing again where it's the third week of May and the Phillies are nine games behind Atlanta, and then everyone kind of turns the page on the division and says, oh, you know, we'll see them in October. This is what we do. You know, for me, it's it's like about difference makers. And are any of these guys really worth the massive investment? I don't I don't know, and I, I don't really think so. So part of me is almost like, Keep your flexibility and go see if you can kind of drop the hammer at the deadline. Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of where my mind is at at the moment. Is there a guy that was picked up that most people don't ever heard of that you think that was a sneaky little signing? Or does he not exist? Um, nah, you know, I mean, maybe I think that the Phillies really placed an emphasis on on roster flexibility, guys with options. Uh, being able to move guys up and down. Uh, Turnbull's interesting. Like, he has some f- uh, familiarity with Dave Dombrowski. He's coming off of an injury. He did not perform very well a year ago, but he does have a good arm. He does have good stuff. Phillies have a really good staff. They have a really good uh, developmental staff from a pitching standpoint. So maybe a player like that at some point materializes. But, man, like, it really, it's so weird. Like, in other years, you'd say, like, hey, here are five or six guys to keep an eye on to make the team that are sort of off the radar. And, I mean, like I said, just go and look at the 40-man and and kind of go and look even at the non-roster invitees. And, like, a lot has to happen for these guys to break camp on the opening day roster. No Scott Kingery sightings? I know he's on the uh, non-roster, right? Yeah, I just... I- I just, you know, don't I don't see it. It would be a great story, I mean, but, I, you know, I, I, I for one do not see that. Baseball is back, and the Phillies are back today. Phillies pitchers and catchers are uh, down in Clearwater, Florida, and, of course, uh, they will start preseason exhibition Grapefruit League games in about two weeks from now, and then the season starts May 28th. It's a Thursday afternoon against the Atlanta Braves at Citizens Bank Park. That means Bob Wankel is back. It's good to see you, man. Hopefully you had a nice little recharge of the batteries and uh, <laughs> yeah. enjoyed your time off. 
I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Looking forward to uh, doing this again. All right. Bob Wankel from uh, Crossing Broad, RedOctoberPhilly.com here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. When Bob is back, baseball is back. We've got your baseball. We got your Phillies. And the Sports Bash, of course, is brought to you by the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. Go to the Gallery. Go to Ocean. Go for the win for more. Visit OceanAC.com. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler. Anybody want to go down to Ocean and place a bet on a Phillies future? Probably get them at pretty good value right now, but uh, I got to tell you, the offseason that they had was very lackluster. Very lackluster. But good conversation with Bob, and there's some things that kind of need to be uh, hashed out in there. 609 403-0973. What do you love about being a Philly sports fan? You can keep texting the text board with that. When we come back, did the Sixers make a run at LeBron James? Or will they make a run at LeBron James? <laughs> Stick around. That's next. We are. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Now, where LeBron might be in the summer when, by the way, Philadelphia is going to have max cap room, that's a different conversation. Mm. But I actually think this was more about checking in on an information void than it was about a trade that actually could happen. All right, that was Brian Windhorse. Did the Sixers call about LeBron? Apparently, yes. They didn't get him. Apparently, they called about Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker, too. What's that uh, line if you're going to... Swing for the stars. Who knows? You might actually land on the moon. If you if you shoot for the stars, you'll end up walking on the clouds. Oh, I thought it was the moon. I always heard it was clouds. I think we hung out in different uh, circles. You just learned that in 2024? <laughs> um, I don't doubt Maury made a call and asked about LeBron. If Do you LeBron, like him making the call? Sure. I mean, you got to swing, right? Take your swing. You know, I was on the train a couple of years ago that I felt pretty strongly that LeBron was going to consider Philadelphia. He ended up going back to Cleveland. No, he went to uh, L.A. Los Angeles. Me. Well, I mean, when he went back to Cleveland, he left Cleveland. When he left Cleveland for the Lakers. Yeah. I, I And part of it is like, hey, that team had young players and he could have been the veteran guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the pieces. They had the making. They just needed that guy and if he wanted to win championships that would have been his choice now I know the Laker fan out there would say he won a championship in LA but outside of the bubble championship his tenure in LA has been meh would you agree it's been meh but it's not meh because of him no but he he went to a place where he has to be LeBron in his prime for them to win. Well, the problem is, it really sidetracked this conversation, but they acquired Anthony Davis with the idea that he was going to be the guy and LeBron was going to be the sidekick. And then Anthony Davis has been healthy except for that one year when they won the championship. Right. And my point was, if he went to Philadelphia, he would have Embiid, and of course Simmons, I think, was there at the, at the time, time. Yeah. So that he wouldn't have had to have been LeBron in his prime. He could have just picked his spots of when he needed to be LeBron, and that that could have been a better situation for him. 
longevity-wise. Right, and- that, that, your argument was always back then. I mean, we were going about six years ago. Your argument was always that. Is that how long he's been in L.A.? Uh, it's probably been like four five years but it was like 2018 summer wasn't it yeah i guess it just like that's my point though lebron james is on the lakers like this is a this is like the cowboys this is like the yankees the lakers right and they feel so irrelevant in his tenure to me lebron james being on the lakers like this should be the biggest of big. You've got the biggest player in the game on the biggest, on the biggest team. And it's meh. It just has always felt meh. And I know they want a title, and he'll have that to say, I want a title in L.A. and Cleveland and in Miami. But it just feels – it just never feel felt like he's been a Laker. It feels underwhelming. Yeah, like <sighs> – you put a player of that magnitude on a franchise of that magnitude, it should feel different. It should feel bigger. It should feel different. It should feel like this was the epic. Like, he was in Cleveland. Great. He won. That's cute. He was in Miami. Okay. Miami's got a great culture. But L.A. and LeBron should feel like Jordan and the Bulls and Kobe and the Lakers. And it doesn't feel like that at all. Since LeBron got the Lakers, here are the year-by-year Win losses. You ready? 2018 19, they went 37 and 45. The next year, they went 52 and 19 and won the NBA championship. The year following the bubble, they went 42 and 30, then 33 and 49, 43 and 39. And this year, they are 29 and 26. Right. Like they had the 50 win year and, and they won the title. In the bubble, which kind of murkies the stuff, but I'm not going to take that away from them. But out of the any other year, he had. One, two, and they had two losing records. I know last year he got hurt. Um, three losing records. I'm sorry. He was 40, 33 and 49, 43 and 39. So last year they didn't have a losing record. They're about, they've been about a mad team, about 500. Above just around 500 every right. single year except for the one year. So what Windhorse says is, well, you know, LeBron in the offseason, who knows what's going to happen. And Philadelphia, he just conveniently throws in there, well, Philadelphia's got all the cap space. Right, and part of the reason why he says that, for those who don't know, is that LeBron's got an option that he can opt into, and it's for about, I believe it's 50 or $51 million, I'll double-check, but the the explanation is that why would LeBron leave the Lakers if the Lakers are going to give him the most money? And the theory would be, well, if he can get that money somewhere else, then that is the rationale. So this is why, to me, this is interesting, Okay. LeBron is at the end of the line here. Correct. This was the report from Woj. He said, after seeing LeBron James' murky social media post of an hourglass a week before the trade deadline, Sixers president of basketball operations Daryl Morey called Palinka to probe on the James trade that was immediately told that James wasn't available. In fact, Palinka responded by asking Morey if Joel Embiid was available. And that ended the brief conversation. So there's a couple things to take from that. Uh, great retort by Palenka. You're calling me about LeBron James. Is Joel Embiid available? So funny stuff there. But I think Maury doing the due diligence to say, does LeBron want to get out of there? One. And if LeBron does want to get out of there, does he have any interest in me making a call to him this summer? Because I got all the cap space. And this is where it gets interesting. So there was a lot of rumors about, yeah, remember LeBron was looking at schools and all that kind of nonsense right. the last time. 
Do you think he looks back at that and said, maybe that's the spot I should have gone to and I made a mistake? I got LeBron. I mean, I've got Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey now. Could I be the third guy there, and could that extend me by playing with these two guys? Like, the same reason the last time. Does he look back at that and say, man, I had the young guys. I could have just walked into that and had the younger guys and extended my career. Instead, I went to L.A. and had to be the guy. I certainly don't have to be the guy if Joel Embiid's there. Maybe in the fourth quarter with two minutes left, I have to be the guy. But I don't have to be the guy for the three and a half quarters to get me there. I don't think he regrets the L.A. move because he went to L.A. for some non-basketball reasons. He did it for business. He did it for family. And I think that for the, you know, you had Brian Windhorst a couple of years ago when he wrote that LeBron Inc. book. And in that book, Brian Windhorst lays out that this guy, this LeBron James that Brian Windhorst discovered his whole life, he doesn't make basketball decisions like the rest of us do. So to me, I look at LeBron James, I ask another question. Does he look at his decision to go to Lakers and regret asking them to get Anthony Davis? Because it wasn't I don't the whole- know. Does LeBron look at the championship they won there and have a lot of pride? And does he feel – does LeBron feel that his Lakers tenure is better than I think his Lakers tenure was is? Like, does he look at it and say, man, I've been a, I'm a Los Angeles Laker. This isn't going the way I envisioned or does he look at that championship as validation of I have won a championship with the greatest um, NBA franchise there is? And, and, and that validates to him his decision to go there. I don't know. I mean, does he look at the Sixers and say, this is a great franchise? With a lot of history, but hasn't been to a championship, won a championship since 83 and hasn't even been to one since 2001. I would like to be the guy that helps them get there. Or does he say, no, I don't want to leave LA at all. I want people to come to me. Well, we know one thing for a fact is that he wants to play with his son, Bronny, in the NBA. Whenever Bronny's done at USC. Guess what? He's going to get to play with Bronny. You know why? Because Bronny ain't getting drafted. So whatever team LeBron's on can sign him. LeBron James's son is not good enough to get drafted. So well, that's a, a situation where he can dictate that because I don't think anybody drafts sure, him. But there, and by the way, even if he does get drafted, what's to say a team that does that he's not on takes him? Is he going to go play in Minnesota if the Timberwolves take him? Is he going to go play in Memphis if Memphis takes him? Um, look, I, I am not up to date on... Bronny James's NBA draft prospectus right it's now. It's not great. I mean, right now, what I do know he's for not sure, even projected to be a second-round pick. What I do know is that there's a lot of talk online that Bronny might stay in college for a year because of that health incident he had last year. Or because he's not good enough, but I digress. Or he's the one, yeah. So, but the <laughs> point mean, is, is... That's that, the reality, is he's not good enough. Well, but this is where the player option comes in. LeBron could opt into that option and just stay in L.A. one more year. His son goes to college and all that stuff. Or does LeBron say, you know what? I might be able to get some money somewhere else. I mean, LeBron. here's what LeBron needs to do. I know he wants to play with his son, and that sounds great. But guess what? You need to let your son grow up and be his own man, not play with you. Yeah, but see, you're you're looking at it from a different perspective. And LeBron, LeBron is a guy who says, you know, I didn't have my father in my life. I I want I want my children to have a different experience with 
their family than I have with mine. So he he's walking into it with those blinders on. Come on. What father is a bad father because he wants his kid to grow up independent of having to play on the same team as me? That sounds a little overbearing if you ask me. Look, to he not, like listen. So, uh, so he wants to be a, a great dad. I'm not questioning that. Well, I don't think he's not. Be, I don't think he views as being a great. I think he he has this idea in his mind of like remember we all remember years ago when the Griffies played together, right? You know, it was senior and junior on the Mariners. I, I think that there's a part of LeBron that's kind of got that idea. Like, I want to be the first guy to play with my son. That's great. I mean, I, I don't knock the thought of like, hey, that would be a really cool opportunity for me. But you can't also let it cloud the decision. First off, well, you could argue that he clouded his decision by saying he wanted to go to L.A. because his family wanted to go there. Yeah, the first, like uh, to me, the first prop, the first decision that he made going to L.A. The whole thing, like, he has a studio there, he wants to be, I mean, come on, dude, you're LeBron James, you can fly to wherever you want, anytime you want. This whole notion of, well, you have to be playing near a certain area. You only live there so many months a year, and you're on the road, the road half of it. I know that, but what I'm saying is that he's already made decisions, not for the, I don't want to say not for the right reasons, because that's a, <laughs> that's, that's me being too aggressive. For reasons that maybe you and I wouldn't understand. So I'm trying to understand LeBron through his lenses instead of my own. And it seems like, according yeah, to... I don't want the, anybody looking through your lenses. That would be very... <laughs> I can't even come up with the word of where that poor guy would end up. <laughs> you might violate an FCC violation Jeez. if you did. No, but I'm, I'm trying to look at it through LeBron's point of view. And to me, I've already accepted the idea. I got a good that- point of view for LeBron. Okay, if he signs with the Sixers, the Blue Coats are very close, and that's where Bronny <laughs> belongs. <laughs> the notion that LeBron James's kid is going to get drafted or play in the NBA because he's LeBron James's kid is preposterous. Right now, he stinks. Period. Point blank. He's not a major. He shouldn't be a major Division One player. Now, maybe he gets better. He barely gets minutes on a bad USC team. Okay, so let, so let's take the Sun thing out of the thing out of the conversation. Let me ask you this: Why would LeBron, at his age, why would LeBron choose the Sixers over, let's say, the option in the other part of the story, which is the Warriors were trying to get him? Um, it's a good question. I, I, I like if they said, "Hey, LeBron, do you want to go play with?" Uh, Steph Curry, Steph Curry or Joel Embiid? I, I mean, in the in the now moment, does LeBron look at that Warriors team and say, "If I go there, we're good enough to win a title"? I would think he thinks so. I mean, he's certainly playing at the, a level good enough to be able to. And do so, so is Curry. The rest of the team, not so much. Now, Kaminga's a pretty good player. Kaminga's on the come up. Wiggins has been incredibly inconsistent. Clay is on the downside of his career, and Draymond's Draymond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would think if I'm LeBron James, I get more bites at the apple with Tyrese Maxey and, and Joel Embiid, I guess. So then the question is how many bites I'm not does saying he want? that that's the best option out there. I just know they they most likely will have – they might be the best team with cap space. Well, they – I know the conversation is also about the Knicks. The Knicks are going to potentially have cap space. So the Knicks are the Sixers. Tough one. Right now, you would say the Knicks are 
probably better. But I guess the question is, I don't know the Knicks contractual situations nearly as well. Like who's stuck there, who's there. They have some expiring contracts. They don't have as much as the Sixers, but the U have expiring but, contracts. Uh, the Sixers, to my knowledge, from, from, in my knowledge, the Sixers have Embiid and Maxi as the only two players lo- essentially when we get to the offseason, right. the Sixers will have a two man roster. Correct. And they will need to find everyone. Thirteen new players. Right. And that's why they have over fifty million dollars of cap space. Yes. So if you start in your first three players, if you need thirteen players, your first two are Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, and your third player is LeBron James. It sounds like you still have the flexibility to add a lot of really good pieces. Sure, but no, yeah, Paul Reed too. Paul Reed is also signed. Right. So, but does that appeal to LeBron? Like, does LeBron look at that? Yeah, because I think and, LeBron could then make, um, make um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Make uh, suggestions on which players he would like to play with. You call them suggestions. Sure. Hey, Daryl, I would like strongly to play with this guy or that guy. And it would also open up, hey, we don't have anybody on the roster. How about signing my kid? I have the visual of LeBron. Like, it's like the scene from The Godfather where he walks in and pats the guy on the cheek and says, I got a suggestion for you. You know, how you see LeBron sure. making suggestions. Hey, He's the Godfather walking in the room We only have We only have three guys on this roster. How about signing my kid for me? There you go. I mean, I would think the Sixers would be the one team that has the the cap space and a roster spot to say, you want your kid who's shooting 25% from three-point range at the college level? Yeah, we can play him in Delaware. Is that okay? Bronny James, by the way, in 16 games, 20 minutes a game, he averages five points, three rebounds on 27% from three. That's not good. He shoots 61% from the free throw line and 35% from the field. Meanwhile, his father is shooting 39.5% from three this season. Pretty good. That's probably one of his better connections from three. All right, Sports Bass Live. 2012-2013, actually. 97.3 ESPN. Jeff Mosher, football at four. Uh, we'll do a little with Mosher today uh, for football at four. Coming up, uh, some team needs. What are some team needs for this Eagles team this offseason? We'll try to get into that, plus... The latest on Hassan Reddick. You'll hear that coming up next on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. We have the perfect traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. And you heard the Flyers fans. It's time for you to level up your game day ritual with the ultimate power duo, the Philadelphia Flyers and Union Forge Vodka. Cheer on the Flyers with the best tasting vodka produced right here in Philly. Grab a Union Forge bottle today. We're going to be giving away Flyers tickets for upcoming games at some locations coming up very soon. We'll have more details on that. Mike Gill on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. What do you love about being a Philadelphia sports fan on this Valentine's Day? We got a ton of response on it. Good stuff. Bad stuff. But what do you love about being a Philadelphia sports fan? 609-403-0973. I love when a deal or a story like this Hassan Reddick stuff comes out. And then immediately everybody has an opinion whether or not they think uh, Reddick stinks or is great. He should go. He should stay. 
This is the latest from Ann Rappaport on ex- he kind of explained the whole Reddick situation from where it started on Sunday to where Reddick came out yesterday and kind of, you know, said, hey, look, I never asked to be traded. This is what we now know. What Hassan Reddick means is he wants to be a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. What he wants to deliver to fans is that he doesn't want to leave the team. That is essentially his message. However, remember, a couple years ago, he signed a three-year, $45 million free agent contract. That was a great, great deal at the time. He is just, in his mind, outplayed it. 16 sacks, then 11 sacks. He wants a new deal. So he wants a new deal. He doesn't want to be traded. That is what we talked a little bit about yesterday. He doesn't want to get traded. He just thinks he should get paid more money. So where does this thing end up? Ann Rappaport. So what his agent, Tori Danny, now has permission to do is to go out, talk to other teams, and see what is the value for Hassan Reddick. Does that mean he's going to change teams? Possibly. If there's another team willing to pay him more than the Eagles, if the draft pick compensation for Philly would make it worth dealing one of their star pass rushers, certainly a trade could happen. He's one of the better players in the NFL. He doesn't want to be traded. He wants a new deal in Philly. So as I see it, there's a couple possibilities here. One, he gets a offer from a new team. They say, hey, we want to give you a three-year extension and we'll trade something to Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia has to agree to the to the terms. Two, Philadelphia, remember, this happened, what, two years ago with Darius Slay after they won the Super Bowl? Slay, they could go find a trade. There was nothing for Slay, so they end up working out a deal. But it was kind of team-friendly and slay-friendly. He got more money up front. The Eagles didn't have to give him a long-term extension. It got a lot of dummy years at the end. The one possibility that I think could be a problem. I talked about Chicago, a team like that. Let's say Chicago calls Philly and says, hey, we're interested in Hassan Reddick. We'll pay him the extension. But we're only going to give you a six-round pick. Now... The Eagles have to say, well, we don't want a six-round pick. And then Reddick says, well, I went out and found a place that's going to give me more money. You're not giving me more money. Sorry, that's the breaks. Mm. That's where I think you could have a unpleasant Hassan Reddick. However, from everybody I've talked to, an unpleasant Hassan Reddick essentially doesn't exist. He's just such a nice guy in this situation. And that is possibly what the Eagles see. Eh, he'll show up. We'll see. The stare down. Coming up, football at four. Where does Jeff Mosher see this going? And what about a guy like Landon Dickerson? Is he someone the Eagles need to be aggressively trying to extend? That's next. Football at four. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN presents The Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. Uh, uh, The fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, Culture begs for it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia studios, this is Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary. At Bet365, Jeff Mosher. From the Inside the Birds podcast is here, which you can find on any podcasting platform or on their YouTube channel. Just search 
Inside the Birds, the latest Inside the Birds podcast is out for your enjoyment with Adam and this man right here, Jeff Mosher, who joins us for this edition of Football at Four. What's going on, Jeff Mosher? How are you, pal? I'm all right, Mike. Not a great day, I guess, in the NFL. I mean, it was supposed to be a festive day in Kansas City. Unfortunately, their parade ends in gun violence, and it's terrible to hear. I guess eight to ten people were uh, victim of gunfire, and more information to come out, and that's that's really sad. Uh, it was supposed to be a great day for the Chiefs, right? The Steve Spagnuolo gets a, a well-deserved extension, and ironically, on the same day, you have the 49ers firing Steve Wilkes, their defensive coordinator, who was there for a year and pretty much did a good job. If you look at their rankings, their statistical rankings, and even in the Super Bowl, I think the Chiefs only had one touchdown in four quarters until the overtime touchdown. So kind of a crazy day. 49ers have a lot of losses. I, I feel like the 49ers are about to go through what the Eagles went through last year with replacing a lot of pieces uh, of their staff, of their front office, maybe even some of their, their roster there. Well, it's funny you, you mentioned the Niners in that vein. And by the way, yes, the shooting at the Kansas City, some of them were children, nine people injured, one has been confirmed dead. Uh, they have found one of the shooters, it looks like. But uh, on a day, you know, we, we opened up our show, you know, talking about what you love about being a Philly sports fan. You know, a lot of people were chiming in saying, you know, how – unruly they can be and i said look this is unfortunately fans everywhere or or, or people uh that, that that you know you don't want to put everybody in because of the actions of one or two or a section or some yeah. i mean most of the people are rational good people who are just very passionate this is a very unfortunate situation as the news is coming out here but you mentioned steve wilkes the coordinator gets fired you got Shanahan, who a lot of people are wondering if he could ever win that big game. You know, I asked the other day, are the Niners feeling more like what happened to the Eagles, where you got to the Super Bowl and then it just kind of too much happened to them to sustain it? Or do they feel that they're in a better spot with their roster? No, I think, you know, when you lose the Super Bowl the way they did, a couple of years ago, they were the team on the rise. And I don't know a whole lot of people expected them to be in the Super Bowl that year. I forget, I think, I forget who they upset. They always beat Dallas. So maybe it was Dallas to get um, in the first or second round. And, you know, then they got to the NFC Championship and they, they won and they were in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, uh, maybe against all odds. This time around feels different. They were kind of the preordained team. I had them picked to be in the Super Bowl. They had the roster that was ready for it. They had the talent. They had the coaching staff. Sure, they had to replace D'Amico, but that's why they went and hired a guy like Steve Wilkes, who had experience and success in the league. You know, they were ready to be in that moment, and they should have won that game. I mean, they I'm sure they can question about six or seven ways that they figured out a way to lose that game. Um, and now you wonder as they go into the offseason, will they have that same Super Bowl hangover? They've already lost a tremendous amount of, you know, they lost their assistant GM. They're losing coaches to different teams. You know, Kyle Shanahan is still there, much like Nick Sirianni was still there. But Kyle Shanahan's the play caller. So with that offense, you expect with the, the talent that they have that they should be good. But they will have losses um elsewhere in personnel along with coaching staff and front office and so it's it's a lot to hold together and we'll see how Kyle Shanahan is able to handle that and how um their their GM John Lynch is able to handle all of that 
Most not going to be easy. No, it's not. And you see every year the season ends, and then quickly things start to materialize. We saw it happen Sunday with the news about Hassan Reddick. You and I talked about it Monday. And then yesterday uh, he kind of came out and said, I never asked for a trade. But give us kind of like now that the news came out, the Rappaport on Sunday, and then he responded yesterday uh, to where you think this is now today. Uh, I know the offseason hasn't really feel like it kicked off yet, but for the Eagles, it kind of has. Mike, I think Hassan Reddick was responding to what he thought was a public perception. But I think responsible news outlets, ours, yours, you know, other people have made the distinction when the original report came out on Sunday that given being given permission to seek a trade does not equal player ask to be traded. Being given permission to seek a trade usually is the advice of either the team dealing with the player or the player's agent as a negotiating mechanism to try to gauge the value. It doesn't mean the player wants to be traded or asked to be traded, nor does it mean that the team that employs the player wants to trade the player. The Eagles don't want to trade. Hassan Reddick, I'm, I'm sure of that. Hassan Reddick doesn't want to go anywhere. I'm sure of that. But in business, they've got to figure out a way to make the marriage work in, 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 in a way that both sides are at least content. Um, and even if Hassan Reddick's not content, it doesn't mean the Eagles are going to get rid of him anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. unless he wants to hold out the whole year, which we talked about on Monday, I doubt that that's going to be his move. So th- these are two separate entities asking for a trade and being given permission to seek a trade one is usually i want out so please find me a place the other one is usually just help let's figure out what the market is for you so then we can have a a real negotiation um at at this point you you said you don't think the eagles want to lose hassan reddick and okay i think i can agree with you on that but do you also think they want to have to extend him in other words like do they hope he finds someone who wants to take them? No, or I don't think so. I don't think that they want to. I mean, listen, there's always variables, right? Maybe they hope somebody wants to give up a first-round pick for him because then all of a sudden that changes the discussion. I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, but I don't think the Eagles want to for a couple of reasons. One, we talked about on Monday, right? They, it's not like they've got Hassan Reddick waiting in the wings and Josh Sweat had uh, a steep drop off last year. Nolan Smith could improve a lot and be ready to take the, that kind of role, but we don't know. The team can't for sure say that Nolan Smith is ready to be Hassan Reddick. And then the second reason is that you'd want to keep, well, three. Second reason is he gives you a great chance to continue to compete for a Super Bowl next year. And three is if he plays out his contract, has another good year, which I'm sure the Eagles expect him to at least have a pretty good year, and he goes into free agency and signs a deal somewhere else like Javon Hargrave did last year, that helps them in the compensatory pick department. I mean, they could get a third-round pick for him. We'll see what they get this year for losing Javon Hargrave. It's probably going to be something pretty significant. So there's a lot of reasons. Do you both, do you compare both, this? For, there's just a lot of reasons they want to keep him. Do you compare this at all to what happened with Slay a couple of years ago? You know, the Super Bowl, and then, hey, he, he asked, uh, or you can go seek a trade. Remember, there was like that whole thing where it was like. That was last year. Was it last year? Or, yeah, yeah, after the Super Bowl. It feels like a long time ago. Oh, I said, yeah, after year. the Super Bowl. So after the Super Bowl, the, the news was Slay. 
and they essentially gave him like more money up front and then like a second year and then like a bunch of dummy years at the end. But it was yeah. almost like they served both sides here. Like we don't have to give you this three year extension with big money. We'll just give you big money up front. Or do you think the Eagles are just like, no, we're happy with the contract as consummated here based on the fact of what else they need to do to try to fix this team? Yeah, I think there's there's some similarity. There's a little bit of difference. With Slay, they let him test the market. Then they did redo his deal, but they were also signing James Bradbury, right? And so you couldn't have Bradbury you know, making a ton more money than Slay when Slay, in, real, in reality, even though Bradbury had a good, good year last year, is their better overall corner. Um, if you remember many years ago, the Eagles did a contract extension with Vinnie Curry. Um, I want to say it was coming off the chip, how he was, had his power restored. They had a lot to figure out. They extended Vinnie Curry's contract and they made him a pretty good offer. And then immediately they had to bump up Brandon Graham's pay to make it fair because Brandon Graham couldn't be on the team making less than Vinnie when Brandon was statistically the better player, right? So there may have been some of that last year going on. Whereas with, with, with uh, Reddick, he is still their highest paid defensive end. So they don't have to bump him up because they're doing something differently at the same position. Right now, they're just trying to figure out, you know, if they want to bump him up, what's the market? What do they do here? Uh, we're talking with Jeff Mosher inside the Birds podcast, football at four. Um, all right. So the Reddick stuff, we'll keep an eye on that, obviously, and see if anybody, you know, I- I'm wondering. Like the Bears have a lot of cap space. Is that the team that says, man, if we get that pass rusher on defense, that kind of puts our defense over the top. And maybe that's the kind of team that the Eagles are kind of hoping who has, they're interesting because they have that number one pick and that they want to move that number one pick. They could get more draft capital. They could have a lot of draft capital. So the Bears are one team I find interesting in this offseason. What about the other guys in Philadelphia? You want to comment on that real fast? Yeah, well, I just, you know, the Bears already gave up a high draft pick and a lot of money to sign, to get and sign Montez Sweat, right? So um, it's not that they don't need more pass rushers. You just wonder, do they want to then trade another asset and give out that kind of money? Well, I feel like it's tied. I feel like it's tied most to what they want to do with the number one pick. Uh, quite possibly. Right. Like quite if possibly. they, like the whole thing with the number one pick is like, okay, I have fields. But the problem is you have to pay fields. But if I trade the number one pick, I can, you can essentially flip flop with Washington, get a boatload of picks and then flip flop mm-hmm. out again and get even more picks. But then you're tied to possibly fields. But do you think if you got, if you kept fields and added all these picks and then spent the money in free agency, that that kind of pushes you to the top? of the NFC as opposed to trading fields, taking Williams, but not getting the other picks. And now you have Williams. You better hope that he is a generational type of player because what you have left over is probably still a mediocre team. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think whatever they do with the number one pick will tie into also what they, how they attack other areas of their team. Um, the other guys, um, and I think you guys talked about this on Inside the Birds podcast. So if you guys want to go check out the podcast to get a little deeper, but the Eagles are going to have to get in that situation with extensions with good players now. They haven't had to do that recently because the draft picks they had haven't really been extension guys other than Hertz and he was a second round pick. 
Uh, so is Landon Dickerson. And then you got Devontae Smith. Where do you think their priority is this offseason with trying to fix this defense, but also keeping in mind, I got two very good players on offense that we have to think about. Yeah, no, it's, listen, the, we talk about this all the time. It, it When you have really good young players, I know that there's a risk in giving out extensions after three years, but I think the risk is greater waiting, right, and letting them get closer to free agency and allowing the market to reset three or four times. I mean, Devontae Smith is a guy that you want extended now. You know how good he is. You know how reliable he is. Uh, there's there's almost no box that he doesn't check. You want to wait until after Justin Jefferson and um, Jamar Chase sign their extension? No, you don't. You want to be able to get him signed now while you still have him under technically two years of control, fourth year and fifth year option. And you can then add, say, like three or four years on top of those next two years to give it like a six-year structure that allows you to spread that money out over a longer term as opposed to waiting until their contract's up and then having to do it right off the bat immediately. That doesn't help you lower cap numbers. So I would do it now while you can. Uh, and I think Devontae Smith and Land Dickerson have shown you um, that they're they're good players who you want on the team. There's no real question marks. You can talk about Landon Dickerson's injury history, fair, but they dealt without Josh Sweat, um, and I, I think it's smart to do it now. Yeah, I, I would agree that the timing on both those guys feels like it should be now. You just wonder, do they have so many other things they have to focus on this offseason that might trump them putting the priority on two guys that they want to keep and they like. And then there's a yeah. fine line there of not wanting to disrespect them. But you hope that those guys also understand, man, we need a lot of help on defense. They'll get to me when the time is right. Or is that not generally the way they think? No, I mean, I mean, first of all, they'll think that they'll probably figure out a way to save some money this year. I mean, we'll see if Jason Kelsey retires, you're you're not paying a top of the line center. You're playing Cam Jurgens, who's on a rookie second year deal. Oh, that's a big difference in money. If Fletcher Cox doesn't come back, that's a big, big savings at defensive tackle. I mean, they're still probably going to want to add a DT who's a veteran, but not pay the guy 12 to 14 million a year. We'll see about Brandon Graham. Um, so, and we'll see if James Bradbury, obviously they'll have to take a hit, but if they post June one, James Bradbury, then you might be saving a little bit of money on top of that. So, and then don't always, don't forget about the Howie Roseman, um, annual restructure. And you could start with Jalen Hurts and you can probably go through two or three other guys who are making good money, right? And figure out a way to save some money by restructuring their deals as well. So I, I sense that Howie's going to be very aggressive this offseason that they want to get back to Super Bowl contention next year. They didn't make those moves at coordinator to just sit there and grow this thing over the next three to four years. They want to be in contention and they're going to have to be aggressive in free agency in the trade market. So money will be there for them to do that. All right. Uh, that's going to be happening before we know it. And the news obviously continues to come out uh, with the, with this uh, Reddick stuff starting it off. You mentioned guys are going to have to approach about restructuring. That'll be a big part of the offseason as well. And, of course, uh, NFL free agency about a month from now gets underway. And we're leading you to that and the NFL draft on football at four here on the Sports Bash. And don't forget the Inside the Birds podcast. Adam and Jeff have a fresh episode for you. You can get that wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. 
All right, Mike. Take care. Jeff Mosher, Football at Four from the Inside the Birds podcast here on the Sports Best. Brought to you by Bet365, whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Mike Gill in the Sports Bass live on 97.3 ESPN. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends at the Nizoms. Holy moly, we were talking about this the other night. We had gone there, a bunch of us. We had like uh, six of us in the party. And they just, we just kind of, we'd never been there before. This is the first time we ever went. We were talking about this the other night, our first time there. But the amount of food, the portion size that we ordered, it was unbelievable. So I, somebody asked me about this the other day. You know, you go to Nizam's before. I said, yeah, I've been there. But go hungry, really hungry, right? Bring a big party. I suggest going with like a party of like eight to ten. And then kind of just everybody order the appetizers and then get a taste of everything so that the next time you go, you now know kind of like, I like that. I tried this. This is really good. The thing is, you're going to like so much. Like we ordered almost every appetizer on the menu, I feel like. It just kept coming out. Huge portion size. Fantastic taste. Unbelievable. You'll be going back again and again to the Nizam's. Right there, Egg Harbor Township in front of Boscov's. They have the great buffet. You check that out. Now that the football season's over, you have no excuse on a Sunday to say, you know what? Everybody, let's go. Tell Mike Gill from the Sports Pass sent you. It's uh, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. We've got uh, plenty more to go on a busy, busy day today. LeBron James to the Sixers. Well, that's not happening. They tried to make it happen. How about in the offseason? Will the Sixers be in play for LeBron then? Eh, sounds like it's a possibility. We got uh, more on that coming up, plus sound of the day. On the other side, it's a sports bash on 97.3 ESPN. It's with Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 428 on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I want to tell you about my friends at Progressive Fence and Railing. They're your secret weapon, whether it's adorable fence or railing, a stylish deck, a beautiful awning, a serene gazebo. They got the magic touch with top-notch quality, impeccable craftsmanship. And finance options that fit your budget. It's easy to do. Go get a free estimate today. Visit ProgressiveFenceAndRail.com. You know, nice weather out today. Yesterday was a little uh, snowy, a little, uh, I don't know what you would call that. It was snow to my drive here, and that was it. There it was, was no, like, it wasn't laying. It was like an ice rain when I was driving in yesterday morning. Makes you think about summertime, and then today was nice out. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was very sunny out this morning, and I told you when I came in, I went to walk out the door of my house though, and I didn't realize how windy it was. And the 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 uh, the screen door blew right into my face. Yeah, and I was like, "All right, well, it's windy today." I didn't well, have the wind issues. No wind issues down the shore here for me, anyway. You live not down the shore; you live way out there. Yeah, but I also live in an area where, like, across the street from me is like an open field. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually have like a legitimate buffer aside from like a field and trees. Well, I'll tell you, um, I'm looking forward to. I said it the other day. We're looking at the Sixers schedule. The month of February is almost over. It's crazy. I mean, we're 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. We're we're about we're literally halfway through the month of February. Yeah, February is the shortest month of the year. Uh, is there 29 this year? Yeah, there's 29. So you got the extra day this year. So you're you're halfway to the end, and then March gets here. Sometimes March is actually the worst. Halfway there, living on a prayer. I don't know what that reference is to, but I could tell you this: it's Bon Jovi. 
halfway there, living on a prayer? Is that how it goes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're halfway there. Whoa. Yeah, I got you. Living on a prayer. Gotcha. Now I hear you. Um, I have flown to Clearwater many a years that my drive to the airport is in the snow. Mm. So March generally, we, we have like that one more month of like trying to hold off. I mean, it just seems like the winners around here anymore are just not winners. Well, at least we know that if LeBron was worried about the weather, it would be the same as Cleveland. He lived there for years, so he wouldn't be too uh, against living in this area for the weather, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think um, – I don't know why any of these guys take weather as a factor in where they where they end up playing. They only live – like I said, they you're only at Half home playing at home 40 nights a year. And the other 40, you're going to play in those towns that you don't want to be living in anyway. So you might as well just pick the best option for you. And then in the offseason, go live wherever the heck you want. You got enough money to do so. Well, I bring up LeBron because for today's sound of the day, I wanted to bring everybody. So they were talking about the conversation we had the last hour on NBA Today. So some fresh thoughts from the guys. First, we'll start with Kendrick Perkins, his perspective on... This whole could LeBron leave? You know, they were talking about, you know, the Sixers, the Knicks, the Warriors. And Kendrick Perkins said this. I understand, right, we throwing all this out. Oh, can he go play with Steph? What about Philly? What about going down there and play with Big Body Bronson in, in, in New York, the Big Apple? But what if, what, what if other players want to actually get to L.A. and play with LeBron James, right? I would not be surprised. So I have a theory on that. Not a theory. I have a th- you know, a thought, I guess. Wouldn't mm-hmm. be a theory so much as it's my thought. See, this was a big take of mine when LeBron was in Cleveland the first time. Like, I hated his decision to go to Miami. Right. Well, he had to go to Miami because he kept coming up short. You're LeBron James. People come play with you. You don't go play with them. They come play with you. Correct. The problem is LeBron has already shown that he doesn't believe that people want to play with him that he has to be the one that leaves. He has already set that precedent. He went to Cleveland, uh, left from Cleveland to go to Miami because he didn't think that he was big enough to get people to go there. The next time he had to go to L.A., not because he felt that L.A. was a spot to get get people to go there, not LeBron James. You're LeBron. That's one of the problems with the whole LeBron thing to me. As I said before, last hour, LeBron James is the biggest basketball star potentially of all time. Him being L.A. should feel so much bigger than it does. And LeBron shows us again that he doesn't think he's big enough to get people to come play with him, that he has to go play with them. And that's why it just feels meh. The whole LeBron L.A. and this situation feels meh. You're LeBron James. You don't have to go anywhere. You set the terms. These people should want to come play with you. And he is setting the precedent that I'll go play with you. You don't have to come play with me. So in turn, you're basically saying Perkins' theory is flawed because he's not factoring in the history. Yeah, I think by that notion, he is suggesting that LeBron can just sit in L.A. because he's LeBron James and people are going to line up to play with him. That doesn't seem to be the case. And LeBron has set the precedent that I'll go somewhere else to play if you don't want to come play with me. I'll come play with you. And there have been opportunities for guys to go and play with him 
in L.A., in Cleveland, and they haven't done it. Um, no, and the first time he was in Cleveland, everyone said he had to get out of Cleveland. There, there are no free agents who were going to go there. He's LeBron James. Yeah, eventually, look, everybody wants a microwave oven uh, NBA title here. Yeah. Pop me in, get me one in my first, second, third year. Eventually, LeBron James was so good and the Cavs were so good, and they were so good without a second player, that someone is going to say, you know what, I want to go play with LeBron James. That never happened because LeBron always left because he didn't have the confidence that he could recruit someone to go there, and then he did it again, and now in L.A. he can't recruit people to go there, which is unbelievable. I, again, I go back. Does anybody else agree that the LeBron to Cleveland feels flat? I mean, to L.A. Feels flat. You're LeBron James playing in the Los Angeles Lakers. It feels flat. Well, it's interesting you say that also because what does LeBron think? What is important to LeBron in all this? Because you asked the question last hour, Mike, about, you know, LeBron went to L.A. Now what does he think, right? Like, I made – should I – you asked the question, should I have gone to the Sixers instead of the Lakers? Should I have made a different decision? Well, Brian Windhorst spoke up during NBA Today and talked about what's important to LeBron moving forward. I'm not sure that winning a fifth ring is the most important thing to him. Being with his family, being in Los Angeles, his son Bryce is going to be a senior in high school next year. Those things matter. And so, like, yeah, he wants the Lakers to be the best they possibly can. Yeah, I'm sure he loves the idea of pairing up with those guys. But I also think that winning a championship, it's important to him, but it may not be the most important thing to him. I mean, it's it's so odd to hear something like that and then think about a discussion that has LeBron James and Michael Jordan in the same conversation in terms of greatness and competitiveness. Mm -hmm. That comment there is, eh, maybe... And that's not to say that it's bad. It's just a different prerogative. But if you're trying to ask me about the greatest of all time, playing with my son and my family and all those things, that's what made Jordan Jordan is that those things came secondary. We're not talking about who's the greatest person. We're talking about who's the best player. And that comment right there, again, puts any time you start to have a seesaw on who you think is what, that comment there says, mm, yeah, I'm not switching my thoughts. LeBron, you're two. Michael would never, ever have that comment about him. No, he wouldn't. But, you know, that gets back to the the point, which is, does LeBron just say, oh, I'll opt into my $50 million player option next year and ride out one more year? I don't know. This whole thing, like, yeah, they came to him. He said he doesn't want to leave. I, I mean, quite frankly, he might just want to stay in L.A. because he wants to be near Bronny. And he said his son Bryce is going to be a senior next year. So, I mean, obviously, if you're in if you're in the same town as your kids going to school, I'm, you know, you can go to your kids' games and you can be a, a present father in that way, in a way that – and this is not an indictment on Jordan as a father, but, you know, you're right. Jordan was – He's we're not the, sitting here. We're not supposed to be judging these guys as human beings. Right. We're supposed to be judging them on their performance at their craft. Right. Because you could probably make a strong argument. And I said this before. 
LeBron James, you can make a strong argument, could be the greatest human being of all time. And you're like, what are you talking about? Based on the amount of hype that this guy has had since he's been in high school, mm-hmm. he has not had as much as he was rude, he was, <laughs> I mean, a bad guy, he was a bad tipper, nothing. No, There's like, no legal issues, no, like, you know, oh, you know, he uh, he had a parking ticket, nothing. wouldn't pay it and argued it, nothing. Yep. So, yeah, we're certainly not... This isn't an indictment on LeBron James, the human being. It's just, it's another reason as to why when you're trying to split hairs on what's the greatest of all time, that puts him behind in my mind. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, if, if you are talking about anyone in any type of business, you know, you know, who, who's the greatest actor? Who's the greatest pop artist? Who's the greatest whatever? You're not having a conversation about, you know, their charity efforts off the court or off the field or outside of their profession. You're talking about how they perform at their job, you know. And LeBron, what's one of the biggest things you can say about him? He's an amazing human being. Doesn't mean you're an amazing basketball player. And it doesn't diminish his basketball talent. But obviously, if what's important to him is being around for his son Bryce as a senior in high school, then guess what? LeBron's probably not going to catch Jordan in rings. Doesn't sound like it. And again, uh, I feel that the LeBron tenure about uh, in L.A. C- can you imagine a situation where one of the greatest players in the history of the game played for the Los Angeles Lakers, and they were irrelevantly insignificant during most of his tenure? It's, We're I, talking about one, two, three, four, five. This is his sixth season there. Yeah. And they've had a losing record. One, two. One time they were about 500. The other time they were 12 games over 500. And right now they're about 500. I mean, talk about a mad burger. Now, here's the other side of the coin. If LeBron Mike were to become a free agent, Bobby Marks is a very interesting point about how – LeBron would be on an even playing field in free agency, and the Lakers would not have an advantage if they wanted to resign him. From a financial angle, if he does become a free agent, he is on the same level playing field the Lakers are with other teams. He can only sign a three-year contract with the Lakers, and he can only sign a three-year contract with any of the other teams that have cap space. So that... That makes it more interesting because generally the team that has you can give you one extra year. Right. But in this case, there's no bird rights involved. Right. So does that even the playing field for everybody? Look, nobody knows what he's thinking, okay, in terms of does he want to stay near his kid? Does he want to play with his kid? It sounds like he does. Does he want to win championships? If that's what Windhorse is saying, then that's not at the top of the list of reasons why he might pick something. I don't know. I mean, Philadelphia, you would think, has all the cap space. They have all this roster flexibility, and they have the most, I think they have maybe the most, if not the most, some of the most money. So this will definitely get ready, everybody. The LeBron offseason, a man at 40 years old, by the way. (laughs) He's going to turn 40, yeah. And listen, Michael... At 40, was good. Was he still playing at 40, or did he stop at 39? Uh, I have to double-check With check the Wizards. That. I mean, when Michael played for the Wizards, he was still a good player. He wasn't Michael Jordan. No, and that's the huge difference. LeBron is still LeBron. LeBron's last year, he was 39. 
Okay. So in his last year at 39 years old, Michael averaged 20 a game. He still made the all-star team. I mean, he was still a very good player. He just wasn't Michael Jordan. No, you go through some of those games, and like I think he had that one game with like eight points, something yeah. like that. And it's like, so like it wasn't Michael Jordan, but he was still like, <laughs> this guy's pretty good. He showed you flashes. LeBron's LeBron not is, showing you flashes. LeBron is steamrolling down the paints, tomahawk slamming in your face, night in and night out. Yeah, LeBron is still reminiscent of the guy who can win a championship by being the best player on the team, but obviously that's not the case because he's the best player on this team, and it's not like he's got stiffs around him. That's the confounding part about this. You know, Anthony Davis is a really good player. I know he's hurt a lot, but... They don't have, like, nothing burgers around him. They should get rid of Anthony Davis. Uh, By the way, LeBron is also 39, so he's in his age 39 season, which was Michael's last year in Washington. He's averaging, like, 25 points a game still, LeBron. Shooting almost 40% from three. Yeah, it's the second-best three-point percentage of his career. Yeah, so. Well, that way. You would think, though, that should go up as you get older, the three-point percentage. You get smarter about how you. uh, Just, you know, better shooter. You shoot more of them. He's not taking the ball like you don't. You know what I mean? Like he's not banging in the paint. Like right now, let's see. He is averaging four point six attempts. No, excuse me, five point four attempts. He's shooting thirty nine percent. So his attempts are down on the three point shot. He's making more of them. So I don't know. It just uh, it's a marvel to see that he's still this good. It, it is pretty crazy. So at thirty nine years old, is someone going to give him a three year deal and say, "Hey, you're going to play to your forty three? Wasn't that kind of like the question with Tom Brady? Remember when he was getting older? It was like, how much longer is he going to do this? In, in football, is you know you're more likely to get seriously hurt probably than basketball, right? So it's like Brady just kept you know. Chugging along, kept doing it and doing it, and you almost have to wonder: Is LeBron falling into the Brady category in terms of longevity? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a marvel to see it. Uh, it it's crazy. As somebody said, uh, LeBron James is way better than Jordan was at his age thirty eight, thirty nine. Yeah, I do agree with the fact that LeBron, <sighs> the Jordan thing is tough because he left the game and then came back, uh, and then when he came back, he won three more. And then he left again and then retired and then went back to – and then he went to the Wizards. And the Wizards thing, I mean, was just a kind of a – he was kind of just saying, hey, I could still play if I really wanted to. But, right. I mean, like the two years in Washington that he played, he was still scoring over 20 a game. Right, but he wasn't Michael Jordan knighted. In. It's like the last year Kobe played. Like Kobe had games or moments. Like Remember you said that game you went to yeah. where he, he had that like one quarter where you're like, oh, there's Kobe. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't sustain it yeah, for like the, When he retired to go play baseball and then came back after that, that, that stretch he had there for four seasons, no, really three and a half. Three and, three and, and a half, half, yeah. And then he retired. He was away for the game, people forget, for three years. And then went to Washington at 38 years old. So you could say, well, LeBron's two 38 and 39-year-old seasons are better than Michael's were. Michael was retired for three seasons and came back and made the All-Star game both years and scored over 20 after not playing for three years. I'm not suggesting LeBron couldn't do that, but come on. I mean, I don't know what your point is on that. It sounds like you're just talking to talk. I mean, if you're not in 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for texting in, at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, LeBron has been way more dedicated to his sport over his career than Jordan was. Jordan didn't care, care of his body like LeBron does. It allows LeBron to still play at a high level at 39. Jordan also quit the game twice. LeBron never quit. Uh, he, I mean, he left the game to go play baseball. Um, Does that count as quitting the game, though? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why that's relevant or why that matters. Is maybe the suggestion... That LeBron- Put it this way. Fine. Michael quit once, went to play baseball, quit three more years, and came back and still has won more titles than LeBron has. So LeBron could be as dedicated as he wants, put his body in great shape, had more bites of the apple, and still couldn't catch him. Right. It's like Jordan said in the last dance, you know, I still got bleeping six, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's the idea that, you know, Michael, Michael still accomplished what he accomplished. How he got there doesn't, doesn't change what he accomplished. No. Uh, Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Got to tell you, uh, that Sports Pass is brought to you by our friends at the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. Go to Ocean, go to the Gallery, go for the win. For more info, visit OceanAC.com. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We got plenty more to go. I'll read off some more of your text on the other side when we come back, plus the 5 o'clock hour. I think, um, and I see some text messages coming in, so I'll rip, uh, rip, rip and read off a bunch of the texts on the other side. 609-403-0973. More Sports Bash coming up on 97.3 ESPN. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 452 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm Mike Gill. At Mike Gill Show on Twitter X. You can follow me there. A lot of text messages coming in. You can uh, hit me up at 609-403-0973. Josh in Delaware says you forgot to mention LeBron won the in-season tournament. They got a banner for that. They did get a banner for that. Yeah. Not that anybody cares. Glenn from Abseekin says the L.A. LeBron is not in his prime. He's still a great player, but he can't carry a team like years before. Anthony hasn't been consistently dominant enough to be the man, and the role players aren't good enough right now. The L.A. LeBron has been good, but not good enough to win a full-season championship. I like LeBron, too. Um, Yeah, I, the L.A. LeBron is not in his prime, but he's there like, this is like a six-year there. So, I mean, he yeah. was 31, 32 years old. He might have been right at the end of his prime there. But even though he's not in his prime... He's still playing at a almost a prime level. Not every night, maybe. He's still better than 95% of the league. Yeah, I mean, I would say LeBron is still, at 39 years old, is a top 10 player in the league. Yeah. I mean, how many guys right now, if you took age out of it, would you say, I take over LeBron? Not many. I mean, Anthony Edwards, maybe Luka... Durant? Um, Do you think Durant ahead of LeBron? I've always been more Durant than than LeBron. All that's not saying I think Durant's better than LeBron. I just think he's got more of the killer kind of instinct. Jokic, maybe Jokic. I mean, Embiid. I'm at five. Only five right now. I mean, Jason Tatum probably not. I don't know. Maybe Tatum. I, I like Tatum. At six. I mean, there's not many, right? He's 39 years old, and you're still talking about LeBron a guy or Steph. That, They've always been, like, way different, but, like, in the same kind of character for me as, like... I mean, LeBron, I think, has... 
Look, there was a time when I said, you're not like if Steph Curry, if the Warriors weren't the Warriors, would Steph Curry have gone to another team? And because he was on that team, they would be something special that I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he was just the right guy with the right mix at the right time. They just had the right blend of him and Clay and Draymond and like that whole situation. If Steph Curry was like the seventh pick in the draft in Charlotte. Does he make the Hornets all of a sudden a relevant franchise? Eh, that I'm not sure. I think LeBron could have gone to Charlotte in his prime and made them something. See what I'm like? The difference. That's the difference for me. To me, I would have always loved to see the um, uh, vagabond LeBron go from team to team. I would love to see that. Maybe. I don't know. See, I'm not a big fan of these guys bouncing all over the place. That's why I used Durant used to be my favorite player in the league, and now, meh, meh. That's what I think about him. All right, Sports Bash Live, ninety-seven-three ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on ninety-seven-three ESPN and the ninety-seven-three ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios. Here's Mike Gill. Just after five, Sports Bash Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Now, I know if uh, you're a gentleman out there and you just heard me tell you it's Valentine's Day, you're probably a little bit behind the eight ball. You probably don't have time to get a good restaurant to take your reservation, but you can still do something nice. You can still try to figure something out. You got time. What do you love about being a Philly sports fan? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Look, there's something different and special about being a Philly sports fan. There's a large contingent of people out there who can't stand us, right? They're obnoxious. They're rude. I go to a game and I get yelled at. I can't wear a jersey from another team. People throw stuff at me. To which I answer, yeah, have you been to a game in another building before? Because I have. And you get the same treatment in other places as you generally get in Philly. But it's easy to say that that happens when that's the only games that you go to. I have been in Pittsburgh and New York and Miami. I don't really do much in Miami. There's not a lot of people at the baseball games there. But I did go to a heat game. Uh, down in Miami before. I've been to games in Fort Worth, Texas, in Anaheim, California, Los Angeles Dodgers, who, by the way, not a great environment to be the uh, road fan at those games. Toronto, Canada, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Chicago. I would say the White Sox fans are a little worse than the Cubby fans. The Cub fans are kind of a, a very, um, they're just like a party atmosphere there. Pittsburgh, um, you know, all over. Baltimore. But what do you love about being a Philly sports fan? And some of the answers that we've gotten throughout the day have been really good ones. The being on the roller coaster of emotions. Uh, John checked, it, uh, checked in with this one. He says, right now I'm loving the way the teams are standing up for one another, attending each other's games and repping the city across all sports. Yeah, you do see a lot of the cross stuff with the Flyers going to the Sixers game and the Sixers going to the Phillies game and the Phillies going to the Eagles and, and all that stuff. You know, yesterday we ended the show by talking about the right now, 
And I don't know the last time this has happened, that all four teams could make the playoffs this year. The Flyers are on pace to make the playoffs right now. If the playoffs were to start today, the Flyers would be in. Sixers are on pace to make the playoffs right now. If the playoffs were to start today, the Sixers would be in. The Phillies, if they make the playoffs again for the third straight year, and the Eagles already made the playoffs in, in the 2023, and they played a playoff game in 2024. In the calendar year 2024, you can get all four teams in the playoffs. Now, that's not some, like, amazing accomplishment, but it doesn't happen often, not only here, elsewhere. You know, where's another city where all four teams from the city make the playoffs all in the same year? It doesn't happen all that much, and it's just another reason to love right now being a Philly sports fan is that Philly sports fans live and die with their teams. And I talked about it, that one of the things for me, for my money, there's nothing better than being a part of a fan base that cares. You know, you get some fan bases, Miami and San Diego, and some of these places, look, they just got a lot more going on. The weather is nicer. Um, they're more laid back. And they don't care about the games as much. They don't care about the teams as much. But guess what? I love sports. I love the fact that we care about the games every single night of the week. That's what makes being a sports fan the best, is that your fan base cares almost too much. It what It's what makes... Being a sports fan, the best. And for me, when I look about what do I love about being a Philly sports fan, you know, one of the reasons I started to go to Clearwater, one of the reasons that started going to Clearwater was I was poor. <laughs> this was like 25 years ago. Now, when did I start going to Clearwater? I guess it had to be hmm, probably sometime around 03, 04, somewhere around there. My friend and I, guy I went to college with who actually lives in the area now he's from West Virginia he moved here and he still lives here and at the time we were both not making very much money and we had one week's vacation what a great company right here's one week's vacation take one week off thanks a lot right you're, you're real considerate so we had one week's vacation and really bad pay and we were looking for something to do. Where can we go on vacation? And every place that we, like, really wanted to go to was out of our price range, right? Can't go here, too expensive. Can't do that, too expensive. So we said, well, what about Philly spring training? So we ended up going to Philly spring training. And we absolutely fell in love with the area and going to Philly spring training. And then we met people and friends. And friends grew from that. And people that we see down there every single year. That's what I love about being a Philly sports fan. Is you're in this area. You travel to another area. And you see the same faces. And they remember you. And now it is to the point where I'm already booked to go in about a month from now. And somebody just texted on the text board. Asking when are you going to be in Clearwater. And... There are friendships that have been formed based on the fact that the Phillies play their baseball games in a month of March in Clearwater, Florida. That, to me, trips taken, friendships made. There's something special about how sports brings people and communities together. And for my money, 
Philly does that better than anyone else. Now, I've never lived in a lot of these areas, so maybe I'm wrong about that. But I've gone to spring training games all over the state of Florida. And let me tell you something. They ain't attended like the Phillies games are. I go to Dunedin. I love going to Dunedin. It's an awesome town. It's a cool little ballpark. It's not the Phillies. I've been to Bradenton where the Pirates play. I've gone over to Steinbrenner where the Yankees play. I've been to St. Pete's where the Rays play. Down to or over to Lakeland where the Tigers play. They all have good environments and fun times, but it's not the same. So for my money, that's what I love about being a Philly sports fan. It's just the outrageousness of the passion. Now, do people get out of hand? Probably. Uh, I, I personally, and I say this a thousand percent, I have never been or or seen at a game that I've been to, I've never seen a fight break out in my section or anywhere, really. I mean, it could have happened. Maybe I'm going to the bathroom or grabbing food or something. But I don't recall being at an Eagles game, a Phillies game, a Sixers game, or a Flyers game where I saw with my own two eyes a fight break out. Never. I mean, I hear of this happen all the time. People say, oh, the people are unruly. They say things. Yeah. Have you gone to a game in another place with your jersey of the other team on? I think you're probably going to hear some people say something. And if you don't, well, you got the good section that night. Um, What stands out to me about all of this, I mean, somebody... We were talking about this in the first hour on the text board. Somebody texted in about um, you'd never see something like that in Pittsburgh. And I said, oh, contraire. Pittsburgh's exactly the place that I would say, of all the places I've been to, I've probably been to Pittsburgh maybe the second most. I lived in West Virginia for a while, so I went to a lot of games when I lived out there. I would drive up to Pittsburgh. In fact, there was a guy I worked at the radio station with in West Virginia who had season tickets to the Pirates the first year at PNC Park. I also know people that had season tickets to the Steelers when I lived at W, uh, when I went to WVU and I went to a bunch of Steelers games uh, at my time there. And my takeaway from going to those games was, geez, man, these guys are, these people out here are crazy. I don't look at them as obnoxious or bad people, just They're really into it. And that's what I love. I love the fact that there are fan bases that are so into it. And if you're one of those people that look down upon that, well, then you're not the sports fan I don't, (laughs) that you think you are. And that's not a bad thing. You just might be a little bit more casual. You know, it's one of those situations. I hear this all the time. Um, you go to a, some sort of party. With maybe your spouse, you know, you go to like their work party or you go to a party with their friends or they introduce you to somebody and inevitably they ask, oh, well, what do you do for work? It's the worst question I get. What do you do for work? I'm sitting on the airplane. The guy next to me. What do you do for work? I work at the radio station. Oh, yeah. What do you do? Well, I, I talk about sports. 
inevitably I have to hear the guy ask me 975 sports questions on a flight. I don't want 975 sports questions on the flight. And it's similar to when you go to the party, right? Well, what do you do for work? I work at um, sports radio. Well, what do you think of this? Do you really want to know what I think of it? <laughs> Are you just making small talk? Uh, because I'd like to talk about other things other than the linebacker the Eagles just signed, which actually just happened, by the way, from the Detroit Lions. The Eagles have signed former third-round pick uh, Julian Okwara. He is a uh, veteran linebacker from the Detroit Lions. But but that's, to me, what makes the Philly sports fan so great. That's what I love is that immediately – Everybody wants to talk about the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, the Eagles. I don't know that everybody wants to talk about the Pistons and the Lions and the Tigers and the Red Wings. Maybe they do. I'm not really sure. I don't think when I've been to Lakeland, Florida, that the passion is all that great at a Tigers ball game in Lakeland, Florida. The Phillies sell out in Clearwater every single day. It is like nothing you've ever seen. A spring training game that is essentially sold out. Think about that. Every day. It's almost sold out. And I say almost sold out because they have a berm in the outfield. So you can essentially just keep selling standing room only tickets. But the seats are packed. <laughs> it's one of the coolest things. Uh, a lot of text messages come, that uh, came in throughout the day. I, I like this one. Tom and Sweeten says, what I love about being a Philly sports fan is a generational shared history. It brings us all together from the grandparents to grandkids. And that's the thing, Tom is as a Philly sports fan, the grandparents don't have a whole heck of a lot of great times. The grandkids don't have a whole heck of a great times, but we're still connected by it, right? Dad sits down and tells son about 1964. 1964 comes up more times than you can remember. And most people... I don't want to say most people. I think a lot of people are still alive that are, remember 1964. But I'm talking about people who were young, uh, like our age, 35 to 45 at that time when you are like, hey, I've seen a lot. A lot of those people are no longer here, but people still remember 1964. And it's not for good reasons. It's for bad reasons. But you bring it up. Like the scar, it's like a, it's like the scene in Jaws when they're sitting there comparing, you know, shark bites, and Quint puts his leg up and he's like, ah, oh, yeah, look at this one here. That's nineteen. When a guy is so scarred by nineteen sixty four, the next time someone that happens and they tell you about nineteen sixty four, the Phillies, think about Quint, Mister Quint. And Jaws putting his leg up on the table, showing you the, the scar he's got on his leg. It's a badge of honor, that scar. I got bit by a shark. Look at this. Here, sucker. That's the Phillies' dad, grandfather, probably by this point. 
definitely by this point. I mean, most of those people are in their 70s at this point, right? Telling you about that. Those are the things that you love. You know, somebody mentioned before about the feeling he gets inside the stadium when 40,000 people are all just shaking and going crazy for the same moment at the same time. And yeah, that happens in other places, but not quite like it. Like Steve writes, the tingling sensation, the goosebumps when something special happens and you're around 40,000 people that all feel the same way. You know, I was at that Phillies game when they eliminated the Miami Marlins in the wild card round. Now it's the wild card round and you're playing the Marlins. But I was there for about 45 minutes after the game, and it felt like nobody left. The song is playing. Everybody's singing it. And at that moment, you're saying, there's no place and no fan base that I would rather be a part of. And that's what you love about being a Philly sports fan. And that's not to say that it makes you the best. But it's the answer to the question that I started the day with on Valentine's Day. What do you love about being a Philly sports fan? It's that. Yeah, I could be in Arizona, and maybe their fans stood around and listened to a song and sang it for 45 minutes after the game was over. But I don't know that it would feel the same inside of a building with the roof closed. Probably not. Maybe I'm wrong. Everybody has their experiences, but that's what I love about it. Trips being taken friendships being made the energy of hey we don't know where this is about to take us but i'm going on the ride again right i'm going on the ride again and even though i've been let down time after time after time the energy is just too great i can't get away from it Tom, your text sets it all up. The generational shared history. 609-403-0973. John and Kate May says, hey, heading down for the first time to spring training. Any rookie advice or must-dos? Josh, do you feel that I am qualified to answer that question? You are extremely qualified. I uh, am extremely qualified, John and Kate May. I would like to know a couple things here. You're a rookie. I don't know where you're staying. Okay, are you staying in Clearwater or Clearwater Beach? That would be one big question that I need to know the answer to. Or are you staying in Tampa? So you can stay in Tampa, so you're in the city. It's about a 20-minute drive to Clearwater where the Phillies play. You can go to Clearwater Beach which is about a 20-minute drive from where the Phillies play, and then Clearwater would be in the middle. Or you go to St. Pete, and you're about a 20-minute drive from where the Phillies play, but you're on St. Pete's Beach as opposed to Tampa Bay. Gotcha. As opposed, well, it's not called Tampa Bay, but I'm just, I mean Tampa. You got Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater. And then Clearwater Beach would kind of be like if you uh, stayed in, like, Margate but needed to go to Egg Harbor Township for something. So, John and Kate May, where are you staying would be a big answer to your question. And then I could give you a lot more. Um, a lot more information. Because yeah. you've been there and uh, down there plenty, plenty of times that you can, you, you, they, they should just hire you as a tour guide, honestly. I could be the Chamber of Commerce. There you go. 
Yeah, so he says Mike he Gill is, run for election for a COC of Clearwater. I certainly could help you out with uh so if you're going to any ball games, I would tell you this. If you're going to a ball game, you gotta go to Lenny's for breakfast. You gotta okay. get there real early. Game starts at one, I'd get there by ten. Because okay. you're gonna sit and, and wait in line for about an hour. Wait, wait in line like a line coming out of the building kind of line or I mean you're just gonna sit outside waiting for a table. Okay. Yeah. Like for about an hour. Gotcha. Yeah. You're 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 gonna be you know, so if you're going to a Phillies game, John and Kate May, I would get there to Lenny's for breakfast. You definitely want to do that. Um you have a, a favorite item on the Lenny's menu? Uh, it's just everything. Everything there is really good. I mean, if you're an omelet, I'm an omelet guy. I mean, but they have like people like my buddy Todd from Cali goes, he, they don't have scrapple out in LA. So he loves getting the scrapple there. But I mean, it's one of those places where like the lady, she comes over, she's really rude, but she's not rude. <laughs> you know, she's just trying to like move, turn the table over real right. fast. That kind of stuff. Keep it moving. Yeah, so John is saying in Safety Harbor. Okay, I know exactly where that is. So you are on the opposite. So you coming in from Tampa, and you are before you get to, um, what's it called, Baycare Ballpark. Well, what I would say is go to Lenny's because you're near that. Where you're staying over that direction, if you want to drive into Clearwater Beach, which is what I would recommend, I can give you a lot more spots there. Safety Harbor you're actually closer to the Tampa area. You can go back into the Tampa area, and they've got a lot more going on on, like, Dale Mabry over that way, over by where the football stadium is, over where the Yankees play. You're actually pretty close to where the Yankees play, staying in Safety Harbor as opposed to Clearwater Beach. You can also take a drive to Dunedin. I would do that for a day. Go find a Blue Jay game and go to a game at uh, TD Bank Park, I think it's called, where the, the Blue Jays play. The way you're describing play. it, it sounds like that he could literally go to, like, a different ballpark each day. Well, the Phillies like, play in Clearwater. You got Dunedin is where the Blue Jays are. Um, the Yankees have are in Tampa. So right. those three are all within, like, 15 minutes of each other. Right, so I'm, I feel like that's an opportunity for him to be like, I'll go to a Yankees game, a Phillies game, yeah, a you Blue can, Jays game, you can hit them all. Well, you could find a game every single day. It's like mean, a spring training tour. That's exactly what it is, Josh. Look at you. You're you're getting the hang of this thing. You're in Clearwater in the month of March, or Woo-hoo. you're in Florida in the month of March. I'm figuring They've this got out. Free training going on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're in Safety Harbor. You're probably ten minutes from um, the Phillies ballpark. You go to Lenny's, which is right there on uh, 19, and make sure you do that. That would be number one on the list. Safety Harbor is in a spot though that is right on that bridge over there there's like a bahama breeze i think over there somewhere there's a lot in that little spot but if you want to go to the beach there's a lot more going on all right john and i'll do uh i'll send you a little link and i'll I'll send you a text back that will have a little link um the uh we'll give you a bunch of spots to go okay i have a story up at 97.3 espn.com all right uh sports bash live 97.3 espn Mike, I'm on the Stockton baseball team, went to Florida for our spring trip, and went to Philly's game. Best experience. Yeah, Baycare Ballpark is awesome. It is about 10,000 seats. It is, well, the outfield is where the party's at. I mean, if you're sitting around that tiki area out there, that is one of the things you say, I love about being a Philly fan. Look, I've gone to, last year I went to a game in Dunedin for the Blue Jays. And... um. It's a different experience. It's a little quiet. It's a little slow. It's a little bit at a different pace than the Phillies game is. All right. 
Uh, all right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Got a lot going on today. Uh, Sixers back in action tonight. It's their last game before the All-Star break. You can hear the game on 97.3 ESPN. And uh, no Kyle Lowry tonight. He did sign officially, but he will not play tonight. He will debut after the All-Star break. Had a buddy of mine said he's going to the game tonight. No Kyle Lowry there, uh, Tom. No no Kyle Lowry tonight. Bet the disappointed. Over. Or you kind of nah, expected that. That's okay. No, well, he hasn't played for a while. He needs a little ramp-up here. I love that NBA term, ramp-up period. Right? Well, you hear that a lot. They need a ramp-up period. You didn't, get, you didn't have a ramp-up period when you came back from uh, Vegas. No. You got thrown right back in. I got thrown right back in. Uh, all right, Sports Bass Live. John, Kate May, I will send you that uh, that link. It'll give you about 15 different spots that you should check out in Clearwater. All right? Uh, more Sports Bash coming up, 97.3 ESPN. It's Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, Sports Bash 532. Hey, don't forget my friend Rocco over at Key Acura of Atlantic City. Now through February 29th, about two weeks, you can get a 2024 Acura Integra lease for just $369 a month. That sounds like a... Really good deal. How about a 2024 MDX lease for just $489 a month? Beginning March 2nd, the service department's open on Saturdays again. So you don't have to try to get there on your work days. You can do it on a day off. Stop by and see my friend Rocco at Key Acura of Atlantic City Tilt Road EHT, the small but friendly dealer online at keyacuraofatlanticcity.com. All right, Mike Gill in the Sports Bash. We've got the Sixers heat tonight on 97.3 ESPN. No Kyle Lowry tonight. Phillies pitchers and catchers. Holy moly. Phillies are back. But what are the three big stories of the day? My producer is Josh Henning. Yeah, these are my three big stories of the day. So it might not be everyone else's big stories, but... I want to start with this because we started talking about some baseball there for the end of that last segment. I wanted to get your opinion on – so for those who haven't seen, there is a Japanese phenom. He's known – his name is Rintaro Sasaki, okay? Now, historically, Japanese players, once they're done playing you know, in high school, would be our equivalent of high school, they would go on to play in the Japanese professional league. Well, Sasaki has decided to forego playing – professional Japanese baseball, he has committed to play baseball at Stanford University. Now, for those who don't know, Sasaki is a first baseman. He had a high school record 140 home runs when he was in high school. So, seems like he's pretty good. First baseman. He went to the same high school, by the way, as Shohei Otani. So, just to give people a little bit of reference. Now, he's going to go to Stanford. Because he's going to go to Stanford, he will be eligible in a few years for the Major League Baseball draft. Mike, in the past, Japanese baseball players have had to go through that posting process. You know, baseball teams had to pay other teams in Japan to even talk to the guy. They don't even get the guy. They have to talk to him. They're paying $40, $50 million to talk to a player. And Sasaki is foregoing that entire process. He is blazing his own trail to the major leagues. So this is interesting for one reason to me, because he's a hitter. We have not seen many of the Japanese hitters come over and have a lot of success. There's been no posting fees or anything to that. Um, yeah, only for Otani. 
Otani's been the one, but he well, also actually, was I, a pitcher. I, I should correct myself. Matsui also went through the process too years ago for the Yankees. Yeah, generally, generally, this is the only pitcher. It's the pitchers. So he is trying to take the shot of saying, or maybe he is understanding that I might not get the look as a hitter. So I'm going to have to go through the process like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So he is taking a shot on himself to do that. Uh, he's 17 years old, though. I mean, most of the Japanese players, one of the things is that they're generally a little older when they get the posting fee situation. So right. this guy's really taking a shot on himself. Do you like it? Like, do you think it's like a, a good move? Do you think it's a... You know, maybe he should have stayed in Japan where it's, you know... I have no problem with the guy taking a shot on himself. I would say uh, at 17 years old, it feels like he's taking a big shot on himself. No problem with that. I mean, if he really thinks, hey, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to be, this is probably a better route from him. There's not a lot, again, there's not a lot of precedent of playing in the Japanese professional league and then getting signed a posting fee and coming over to the States. Very few, not zero, but very few have gone that route. Even pitching-wise, by the way, there has been some top-level pitchers, but I don't know, more than 10? I mean, I would say at least 10. I mean, over the years, guys like Kadeo Nomo, Dakirabu, uh, Suzuki, the pitcher for the Mariners, uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka. I mean, those are the ones that come to mind off the top of my head, but uh, I'm sure there's there's more than that. You I got mean, four right there. So if they're the four that came off the top of your head, all right, you got Yamamoto this year, you're at five. Not a whole heck of a lot. It, so it is a tough thing to just assume, hey, I'm just going to play, be who I am. So he's coming to a spot where he thinks he can get more scouting. Darvish, right? Darvish is You Darvish, there you go. He's coming where he thinks he can get more scouting and the potential of getting drafted. Also, it might be help him refine his skill, maybe learn the base American version of baseball, maybe a little quicker, maybe less of a, a curve for him, you know, coming from Japan to America, right? I guess so. I mean, look, uh, one of the things, obviously, when you watch the Japanese players, the hitters and the pitchers, they certainly have different fundamentals uh, just in their mechanics and everything. So maybe he wants to get that fine-tuned a little bit. But 17 is just, it's not to say, like, obviously, kids get drafted out of high school. Right. But not many of them are, I mean, there are exceptions. But at 17 years old, a lot of times, still, it's hard to figure out and project what that guy's going to be. Yeah, I'm intrigued by his draft. I'm intrigued to see how it goes for him with uh, college baseball on the way to Major League Baseball. Mike, story number two, I was listening to the Kelsey's podcast this morning, the New Heights pod, and for those who were on social media on Sunday, one of the big topics that have taken over social media was Travis Kelsey bumping Andy Reid and yelling at him during the game in which the Chiefs won on Sunday, you know, that big game called the Super Bowl. Well, Jason Kelsey confronted his brother on the podcast, Mike. He basically told Travis, you crossed the line. You know that, right? And Travis admitted Did he that- say it in jest? No, no. He said it seriously. Okay. He said it seriously, and Travis went on to explain basically a little bit of the genesis of what happened. Basically said that he he, he was so fired up that he wasn't in the game that you know, it was in a, it was inappropriate for him to do that, and he said that he he had, he really appreciated the fact that Andy didn't you know 
bark back at him. Well, I feel this would be a much bigger story if they lost the game. And then he would say, oh, they fell apart on the sidelines. But they won the game. I, I I don't, you know... The fact that they continue to talk about it, I think, confounds the confounds it for no reason. Well, I thought one part was interesting when Travis said that Andy came to him a few minutes later when he was sitting on the bench and said to him, you know, not not in. He said it very calmly. He didn't say it to him like aggressively. He said, "You got to remember, Travis. You have a lot of cameras on you now. This is the biggest game of the year. You can't be acting like that." And, and Travis said he appreciated that Andy, you know, said it to him in a you know, in a more calm manner, didn't say it to him. And in, in, he didn't, like, fight fire with fire, basically. Which, you know, I, I don't think it was that big of a deal because I think those guys have a good relationship, an mm-hmm. understanding relationship. I don't think it's one of these things where the guy – it happened in a play, too, where he wasn't in the game. And I think right, he was essentially was, saying, was like, mad. yeah. I, I had no problem with the whole situation. I don't know why. It feels like it's getting a lot more attention. And that has to do with the Kelseys being the Kelseys. Now, Jason did joke that he actually almost hoped that Andy would have cold-cocked him, you know, and just be a, you know, hit him in the face when it happened because he said he would have enjoyed that. That's when Jason... Yeah, give him a right him. hook. Yeah. yeah. You know, basically say, you bump me, I bump you. See how you like it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but Uppercut. It, yeah. Well, he, he said he should have hooked him. He, he would like to see Andy throw a hook in that situation. Okay. So... Um, I don't know if Andy has that in him, but all right. I don't know if he does either, but apparently Jason does. Uh, Jason did make other one of the comment I did want to ask you about because Jason said that it's because guys like him and Travis are so passionate, it makes them successful football players, that they're not built like normal people and that you can't be successful like they are unless you have this blessing and curse, which is their passion for the game. What is your reaction to that? I talked about it Monday. Um, I don't know when it came up. I get, I don't remember how it came up, but that's the thing is I don't look at it like we talked about AJ Brown saying, Oh, if it was me, not like if you got into it with the coach in a game like that and they end up winning the game at the end, like no one cares. Like to me, I, I didn't watch that and say, Oh man, like I look at it and say, This is a passionate guy who wants to win. The guy who was in the game for him made a mistake and he's saying, Coach, get me back out there. What are we doing? We're in the Super Bowl for God's sakes. I don't think Andy had a problem with it, and I don't know why anybody else would. Mike, my third one for you, we're going to go a non-sports story because I know you finished Suits. You made it all the way through. You you blew past me and beat me to the finish line. I'm still a little jealous about that. I'm still in catch-up mode here. But the reason why Suits is a big topic is because they're coming out with a spinoff called Suits LA, and Suits LA has cast their main man. So the guys who were in Suits are not going to be in it? They're going to make cameos, is okay. the report. that um, uh, the, the guy who played Mike Ross, I forget his name, Patrick... Um, Patrick J. Adams. Yeah. He said that you know him and Gabriel are going to make an appearance in the show, but they're not going to be... The show is not going to be built around them being in the show. Huh. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed to hear that. So, but the show is being, it's basically being written and done by this, the same people who created the original show. So, the main actor. Yeah, well, what about, yeah. um, Rick Hoffman? Is he gonna be in it? I have not seen any reporting about Rick Hoffman. I've only seen about, uh, Patrick Adams and. No, I mean, uh, the, the reason why the show is what it was is because of the characters. The cast of characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Louis Litt, I mean, 
the ups and downs of him and just his quirkiness and, and obviously um, Mike and his situation. <laughs> well, just like you. Well, Mike wasn't really in the last two seasons. He was in a little bit. Um, his wife, uh, you know, who's played by uh, the, the princess. Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle. She was not in it at all. Um, but, yeah, the characters. Now, I had read that the, that the show was going to be centered more around um man, I'm so bad with remembering people's names. The 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 girl who was the Jessica Pearson. Yes, that the show was going to be kind of centered around her. Right. Well, it's going to be her law firm in L.A. Gotcha. So that's why there are going to be appearances by people from the the previous show. Harvey, by the way. Yeah. Well, Harvey. couldn't even remember Harvey's name. I watched all nine seasons every single night. I couldn't think of his name. That's how bad my memory is on anything other than what I'm talking about. Uh, for work. Philly spring training. Yeah. I can remember where I've been. It's funny because the guy, I texted him the link and, and I just went to look at something because I, I remembered and a lot of people who have been to Philly spring training will, will listen to this and know what I'm saying. So there's a bar in Clearwater Beach called the Brown Boxer. Okay. It's on Mandalay, the main drag. It's called the Brown Boxer and it's kind of known as like a Philly bar hangout. A lot of Phillies, you know, like one, for instance, like the NCAA tournament is on all the time. And a lot of the Phillies broadcasters were there watching the game one night. And so a lot of Phillies, like, people go there. Well, it closed. It's permanently closed. It has not reopened. It, it closed. I read something in the off season. So, sir, the brown boxer is probably on my list there. It's not open. But gotcha. that would be a place to go to. But it's permanently closed. From what I understand, they didn't pay taxes or something. Gotcha. But... All right, so back but to I can your, remember that. I right. can't remember Harvey's name. Right. Well, Harvey Specter, Jessica Pearson, Lewis Litt, right? So apparently, you know, at least Harvey, Jessica, and Mike Ross will make appearances in this show because one of the premises of the show is that the main character is going to be a character named Ted Black. He's a former federal prosecutor from New York who reinvents himself by representing powerful clients in Los Angeles, and his firm is at a crisis point. And in order for him to survive, he must embrace a new role. So that's where apparently the the old cast of characters will pop in to help with this crisis. All right. So they're going to have some some appearances, but they're not going to be like regular cast members. Right. But the main cast member is interesting because he has been the centerpiece of multiple shows before. And I'm pretty excited about this. Stephen Amell. Now, are you familiar with him? I only know his name because I he wrestled uh, in, like, WrestleMania or, or SummerSlam or yeah. something. Yeah, He had that ongoing uh, feud with Stardust. Which was ago. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes' character, right. Mm-hmm. And they had I a can't on- believe I remember that. There you go. Remember that, right. Yeah. So I remember Stephen Amell. Was he an X-Men? No. <laughs> you had the superhero genre, right. So he, he rose to fame because he was on the show Arrow, which is about a, a vigilante billionaire who – you know, basically gets stranded on the island for five years and comes back and takes the city back from criminals by night. Uh-huh. And he's a he's an archer, basically. But he 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 took the superhero genre, and made it into like a dramatic TV show because he brought a lot of depth to the character and the storyline. And then afterward, he was the star of a show called Heels on Stars for a couple of years, which was about uh, two sons who are trying to walk in their father's footsteps as, like, this pro wrestling icon. And they're basically the centerpiece. I'm surprised I had not heard about that show. Yeah, CM Punk was in the second season. You would have thought I would have known that. And they got to go check it out. What, is it, what platform is that on? It was on Stars. 
I might have stars. Yeah, so he was he was in that heel show, and that's a another layer to his acting ability. But he's going to be the centerpiece of this suit show. Interesting. Okay, so I, I am. I don't know that ever. You know, um, James uh, Martin. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah, he played Cyclops in X Men. So there's a show on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay, it's also on Freebie, which is really annoying. Are you familiar with that platform? I am familiar with Freebie, yes. So Amazon Prime has shows from Freebie. So mm-hmm. that means there's commercials. Right. It is a pain in the ass when you're like on a streaming platform, but it's from like a Freebie thing. So you got... Well, anyway. You're better off watching it on Freebie then than Amazon Prime. Really? I mean, from my experience, because there was that one show, Primo, it's a hilarious show about a, uh, a Hispanic kid who grew up at home. He doesn't have a father, but his mother has five brothers. No. So her five brothers all kind of help raise him, and it's chaos. Oh, what is Freebie an app? Yeah, it's a streaming app. Gotcha. It's, well, a- it's Amazon's free platform. Gotcha. So anyway, there's a show on... With James Marsden. With James Marsden on Amazon Prime. I guess it originated on Freebie called Jury Duty. Have you heard this of no, this? I haven't. It's basically... So... It's... There's a case, and they're picking the jury, and okay. everybody in the case is fake, and, and everybody's an actor except for one guy. Oh. He actually thinks it's a real case and that he's on a real jury. Oh, no. And everything is, like, <laughs> documentary style, like The Office. So, like, they'll have something in, in the the court go on, and then like they interview this guy afterwards, and he thinks this is all real, but it's, like, the most bizarre crap and James Marsden is like, yeah, I'm a Hollywood actor. I was in, like, X-Men and, like, uh, other things. <laughs> and he's, like, on the jury. Yeah. And, like, everybody else is just some schmuck burger. But, like, this guy thinks, like, you know, like, that this is a real case. The the, the, the judge is fake. <laughs> the the lawyers are fake. Everything. That's hilarious. You probably would like it. It's And then, like, the interviews. It's like, it's like The Office. They're like, all right. Like, after the, the day is over, like, what did you think of, like, what happened today in the courtroom? And the guy's like, he has no clue. He thinks it's for real. <laughs> I would definitely enjoy this. Yeah, it's on uh, Amazon. I wonder if it was made by the people who made The Office in Parks and Rec. So, might have been by him. Let's we'll check that out. All right, we got to wrap up the show coming up next. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. <laughs> All right, get ready to get out of here on this uh, Wednesday night. Sixers tonight right here on 97.3 ESPN taking on the Heat. And uh, no Kyle Lowry, for those of you who are wondering. He did sign yesterday, but he will not play. He hasn't played for a little while. I mean, he got traded from Miami to Charlotte and then never played for Charlotte. So uh, he'll be sitting out. He'll be back after the All-Star break. The All-Star break is now after tonight for the Sixers. They are off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They're back next Thursday. So over a week off uh, for the Sixers. They'll play the Knicks, Cavs, Bucks, and Celtics the first four games. And then we're into the month of March. And they'll play the Hornets to start the month of March. Also, uh, Steve Wilkes fired today after one season in San Francisco. I think he got a raw deal, huh? Darius Slay chimed in and said, what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a lot of people are commenting on Steve Wilkes getting fired after one season as the defensive coordinator 
in San Francisco. I don't know that their defense was the biggest problem in that game. That's just me. Um, also, Adam Silver saying today that Las Vegas is on the list for NBA expansion. So uh, get the ball in motion, the wheels moving on that one. We'll have plenty more tomorrow. Philly's back at um, spring training. Pitchers and catchers reported today. Looking forward to the start of the baseball season. Back tomorrow, we'll talk more uh, Sixers and Heats here on the Sports Bash live on 97.3.